I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Blackbirds, you can fight. You could fight if you, you need to. Black- if you really needed to, you probably could. A uh, grizzly bear, they will fuck you the fuck up. You fight a black. How and do you fight a black bear? The only other bear that's bigger than that I've also seen in the wild too. Polar bears are fucking huge. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like the biggest bear. So anywhere, anywhere that I used to go back home in Alaska, yeah, you're packing some heat because you're, you're from Alaska. Yes. No wonder you're so cold as ice. <laughs> I'm willing to, and you know what? I'm also willing to sacrifice <laughs> our love. So, hey, guys, we are recording right oh, now. Oh, yeah, we so, are. You know, oh, we Jesus. got into the bear thing, and I was like, I'm hitting record. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, as Mr. Grubbs, our normal producer, would say, hit that blue button on the side of that phone so it starts broadcasting. You'll see it. It's on the right of the screen. We'll be going. But, guys and gals, we are going to be live, but we are here with Michelle. I cannot say your last name. Oh, nobody can. Nermandrad? That's pretty close, actually. Uh, yeah. It's Nermandrad. Well, I wasn't even fucking Say that, wait, say that one more time. Nermandrad. It's actually two words. What, what's there, what's that it's from? Persian. It Persian. And Niruman means a righteous and powerful force, and Rod is someone who commands it. That's pretty deep, right? Man, so say uh, it. I again. feel like I need to scoot Niru farther away. Man Rod. Niru. My Man name Rod. just means yeah, the son of Nell. Hey, is, really hey, lame. that's a pretty good name. My pretty name bad. means gang leader. What? <laughs> <laughs> so for your, my given name is Donji. And That's a pretty I, dope given name. My mother's Japanese. I was named after her oh. father. So when we made these jerseys for the show, mine says DJ and our graphic designer wanted to put El Jefe. And if you know me, I don't take the idea of being a boss very seriously. I, it's more of a team game to me. So I didn't want that on my jersey. So I went with El Wapo for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so like Nick says Mr. P, Justin says producer. My wife got one uh, just because she's my wife. So he said uh, La Jefa. His says Grumpy Cat, Ben Grumpy Cat. Yes. Um, and on the back, it all says the same thing. But I actually wanted to uh, have my name in Japanese on the back. So I found out how to spell my name. I, and there's so many different ways. I found a spell it that it means man child. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I sent that yes. to my mom. I was like, mom, which is the most appropriate name? One hundred percent. Your mom knew that when she named you. Thousand percent. So I named. I handed it to my mom. Like, mom, this is, is this how you spell my name in Japanese? Well, it's a way, but it's <laughs> it's not the right way. What do you mean it's not the right? Which well, it's right, but it's not how your grandfather would spell it, and you don't want it to say what it's saying. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She goes, you know, this means man child. I'm like, mom, yes, that's yeah. exactly why I want it. <laughs> you know me, and for the show, it's for like it's a man child. And she's like, well, let me show you how your grandfather spelt it. And she gave it to me. And ironically, it means gang leader. Oh. And it was great because they all wanted to put El Jefe on my jersey. And ultimately, if you see the kanji on the back of my shirt, it actually is my name, Donji, in Japanese. The way my grandfather spelt it, it means gang leader. So they ultimately got El Jefe on my jersey. Wow. Stupid, stupid That's stuff. Very cool. So what is, your, what is your gang involved with then? I mean, what kind of... Nefarious deeds does your game. We host a with. podcast yep. called Gravity Lab Radio. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nefarious. Whoa. It's pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. So, but stuff. don't screw with this gang. Yeah, mm, dude, out. we snap our fingers as we walk down the oh block. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All uh, West Side thing. Story style. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I like it. What's like wait? It. What's the name of your gang? Gravity Lab Radio. Oh yeah, mm. you're you're a lab rat. If you actually read a the lab rat. Oh my gosh! If you actually read Watch the description out. or the show notes, it. it 
describes a guest and a little write-up about her. And then it'll say, Grab Lab Radio is hosted by DJ Marvin and my website, Nick Lott, and some stuff he does with our favorite lab rats, Justin Grubbs and Ben Nelson. Oh. I've been a lab rat this whole time? Yes. Didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody nobody sees that. It's something stupid. I, I do have a new nickname. Did I tell you about my new nickname? What's oh, your nickname? Little Ben the Douche. <laughs> <laughs> I do not do that. Yeah. I'm so excited about that. I think I'm going to make some stickers. <laughs> That's a pretty good nickname. Hashtag Hug Ben. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Hug Ben. Wait, no. Hug, not Hugs. Shrugs for Ben. Shrugs for Ben. So, Michelle, also known as Bubbles. That's how I first met you. What's up? What's yeah, up? I actually didn't know your name until like a year and a half ago. I just always called you Bubbles. Yeah, the fizzy bubbly. I the was talking, <laughs> I think the Heath and Paula last night, and I like when I first met her as Bubbles, I immediately was like, mm-hmm, I see why she's Bubbles, because uh. you're very energetic. <laughs> no. I, and what? I, don't, I don't think Heath knows you that well, so he wasn't quite sure and understood why we called you Bubbles at first. Yeah, well, we, we explained it, and um, Paula's like, oh, you know, she's Bubbles. <laughs> she's Bubbles. I foam at the mouth when I get really excited. So it's really where the <laughs> name comes from. Hence the bubbles. From. Yeah, that's really where it comes from. <laughs> so it's both amazing and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. A lot of people probably know you because you are an artist. Oh, thank you. You uh, Thank you, man. You are. You really, you, you do a great job. And you actually, company, is is that what you call Captured Sky? Studio? Uh, you know, it's an artistic it's endeavor. Brand? You know, I, well, I it's an artistic concept, really. So a way to bring us closer to the sky in um, a way that is is a little more than just pictures or video alone could could connect us with this environment that's like, you know, uh, this place of captivation and inspiration for a lot of people. Dude, skydiving is completely an art form to all of us, whether we're very technically oriented like four-way or whether we're doing free fire artistic. But you've taken it. It's straight. You're bringing the heart art home with you. <laughs> when I met you, God, I think it was we probably 14 is when I met you ballparking, 2014, 2015. Really? I think it's longer than that. It, quite possibly It's longer is. than that for me. I, I think it was like 2012 maybe when I met you. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I've lost track of time in quite a while. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, they told me you paint pictures in the sky at some point, and I'm like, well, I bet you this looks stupid <laughs> because, you know, some of them do. I'm picturing somebody <laughs> with an easel in the sky. I'm like, I don't, I don't know about this. But I was very open, like, well, how the how do you pick, paint pictures in the sky? And we're going to talk more about that tonight. So, so, oh, yeah. Okay. Keep going. And ultimately, I ended up seeing what you did. I'm like, oh, holy cow. Oh. You are an artist. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So we're going to get to that, but I want a history of you first. When did you start jumping? I did my first jump uh, here because we're actually at uh, Spaceland Dallas right now. Um, and this is my, my, my home drop zone where I did my first jump in April 6th of 2008. And uh, I just, I thought it was amazing. It was awesome. I also was brought to the drop zone by somebody who was going through the program to get licensed mm-hmm. and was in a similar position, like life place, you know, in school and working a job and also going through a program to get a skydiving license. And I thought, well, you know, hey, if he can do it, why can't I? And I started uh, jumping and yeah, saving my nickels and dimes for each jump, you know, budgeting for each jump to stay current so that I could get the license. Well, why would you need to do that? If this uh, sport's so cheap. <laughs> right? Um, 
But uh, I actually put myself in a little bit of debt so that I could get <laughs> get uh, the block jumps that I needed to get to that C license and I could start shooting video because I remember looking at my videographer and thinking this guy is super, super cool and I want to be just like him. Uh, it was Mateo, by the way, if any of you guys know Mateo. <laughs> I was going to ask yeah. who it was. <laughs> He's pretty cool. Um, but <laughs> but uh, don't, don't listen to these guys. He's really cool. Um, but uh, anyways, I love, the, I love the guy. I wanted to, I wanted to shoot video. I started shooting video for Scott of Dallas and I guess it was either late 2009 or early 2010. Um, but uh, shot video for the school here full time for about four years and then eventually left uh, Scott of Dallas to pursue a job instructing at the Dallas uh, iFly tunnel. So I instructed there for about three years until I welcomed my first baby in 2016, I guess that was. And his name is? William Donovan Cole, and he's the best baby ever. You guys Everybody say they have the best babies ever. I really do. <laughs> and everybody says that. No, you, put, you guys post some good pictures. Thank you. Yeah, you do. Now, yeah. for those that don't know you very well, though, your husband is also a skydiver. Yes, yes. I met my husband at the drop zone. He also shot video for Skydive Dallas, and we were in rotation right underneath each other. I actually didn't really like him that much. I was like, man, what? Give, don't give anybody a blue t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so did he get on staff after you? Right after me. So oh, wow. It was quite a while. So you were senior to him. Yes, oh, wow. I was. Wow, I'm that's good still to know. senior to him. Oh, Frank. <laughs> I love you, Frank. Yeah, but uh, but anyways, yeah, we be, we developed a friendship and a rapport and, you know, eventually a life together. And uh, it's just been skydiving has given me so much. So I'm really, really grateful for all of it and this opportunity here tonight as well. So thanks for having me. <laughs> oh no! Thank you for being here. It's a uh, it's a fun show to do, and I, I I love the opportunity to have a unique guest, and they don't happen all the time. And you are by far a unique guest, a unique artist. Oh, I well, mean, thank you. special guest. I think at some point you posted for hashtag special guest. Was that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you absolutely are because what you do is I. I, didn't, I know nobody else in the world I can talk to about this. With, I, I can't talk about any of this with anybody oh, except for you. you. That's right. Yeah, and, and it's great art form. So were you an artist before you started jumping? Oh, I've always, I've always loved to arts and crafts and all that stuff and create, and that's part of what led me to uh, the Captured Sky concept. Um, you know, after that first jump, I was, I was enthralled. I was just you know, hooked. And I remember looking at my t-shirt that I made my first jump in a pink Floyd, dark side of the moon shirt. <laughs> I still have it. I was going to wear it for you guys today, but it's dirty. Um, but, uh, when has that ever stopped me before? So I don't dirty. know. <laughs> so, so dirty. <laughs> but, but anywho, I used to look at that t-shirt and I thought, Oh man, it's, you know, that, that shirt has jumped out of a plane. It's touched the sky. And, uh, you know, so it was really special to me for that reason. And I wanted to somehow recreate that I wanted to initially bottle a cloud was you know what I put my thought to for quite a long time was how can I bottle a cloud you know not that I would ever touch a cloud being the really good skydiver oh, that I am right. um, but uh, whatever <laughs> who wouldn't want to have a little cloud sitting on their desk at work to so remind dope, them, right? you know yeah and uh, I couldn't figure out how to do that I don't know enough about 
chemistry or anything. Oh, you, you figured know? out so, how to do it. <laughs> but but I have been always kind of artsy fartsy and uh, like to craft and create. And um, I think it was one day that I was doing something of the like at home, and you know, I thought, well, hey, if if I can create stuff and artwork and those are kind of like a representation of my creative spirit. And then why can't I give those tools to the sky and allow her the same opportunity to create for us so that I can have something from her. And that is how captured sky came to be. When did you do your first painting? It was in 2013 and it was sometime really, that long ago. Yeah. Really? It's been a hot minute. Wow. I didn't realize that you'd done that as far back as 2013. Yeah, Mm. and I got the video. I got the video. Yes. Two things that stood out from Bubbles when I first met her is A, she's Bubbles, for (laughs) sure, and B, the Captured Sky stuff, which I don't know if you had a name then. Yeah. uh, I don't know. Had you come up with Captured Sky at that point? I think think it was. I did. I do believe that I had a Facebook page and run because that's the thing is I had been kind of kicking my tires for quite a while until I joined Instagram. Yeah. Instagram was like a game changer. Up, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, been doing Captured Sky since 2013. I had some children in that time frame yeah, as well. So, you know, I haven't been always able to pursue it with yeah. the same intensity and an um, unsupportive husband. I mean, yeah. that makes sense, right? <laughs> that could I'm kidding, Frank. Frank. <laughs> no, he's actually, I would not be able to do this without him. So it's a, it's a big blessing to have such a supportive friend and partner and lover. So he's the best. <laughs> when you did your first painting in 2013, like, so today you take up multiple canvases today. Oh, I think yeah. I saw you with three, right? You saw me. Yes. With three. That first time you took up one. I actually did take up two, but they were <laughs> three inch by three inch canvases that fit like right on the side of my arm. Oh. There was just two of them side by side on one arm. And that was more of like an effort to get more surface area, but yeah. at the same time keeping Things you know set. what I was working with really small um, because, you know, I... I I pride myself on, well, not really myself, but the drop zone that I grew up on um, at the time, Skydive Dallas, but now Spaceland Dallas, you know, we're really big on safety. Yeah, they were. Uh, we have a really good SNTA overlooking us, and I was brought up by those instructors. And so, obviously, I knew that doing Captured Sky is, you know, it's it's out there. Um, there's going to be a lot of concerns with, with gear and safety and all that, and I wanted to be very diligent with, the materials I used and how I used them and taking really, really small uh, incremental steps to progress to where I'm at now. So yeah, now fast forward six years later, I can take, you know, 20 by 20 canvases and uh, multiple canvases. Whereas back on that first jump in 2013, I took up those two little bitty canvases and I came down with nothing. There was no paint on <laughs> either one of those canvases when I came back down. So, so on that jump, <laughs> First of all, do you, Wait, you had to have gotten some on your suit. That was art I, too, right? I don't think paint got anywhere worthwhile. <laughs> Maybe there was some on my fingers, but it's actually, it was a lot harder to get. Twist that paint. black knob by your thumb. Oh, there oh, you go. Whoops, we're having some tech Because Because I've, so the last, uh, I don't know, what have I been here, two years now? You've been through a couple suits now, and you've got some new skydiving gear that's being... Like, that, to me, in and of itself, is art as well. That suit, that last suit that you had, 
if it's not hanging up somewhere, it needs to be because that's kind of artistic in and of itself. Thank you. It is actually, and this is a really wonderful opportunity for me to have a big thank you to Julio of Liquid Sky Sports um, because he is also really artistically minded. And I reached out to him and I told him about Captured Sky. Um, And so our arrangement is that he makes these suits for me and he sends them to me and then I take them into the sky and they help me capture some sky. And then after a season, I send them back to him and he hangs them up in his loft um, oh, on rad. display. Yeah, so totally yes, rad. yes. And the suit is just amazing, amazing. Just really, really fine quality. Um, so such a blessing uh, to be to represent his material and the work that he does. So thank you. Thank you so much, Liquid Sky Sports. <laughs> Liquid Sky has really been one of the jumpsuit manufacturers better known for looks like i mean they do they build a super good quality suit but if you want something to look unique or something looks different you want something a little bit artsy they have been for the longest time known as the company who does that oh yeah and then capture sky like what what better marriage right yeah liquid sky and captured sky and it's all art together i mean julio put a lot of artwork out there yeah and that's because he crosses over a lot of different disciplines so some suit manufacturers are only in the skydiving realm and that's great um but julio has experience working for like putting together gear for NASCAR riders. Motocross. And motocross. Yeah, and he's done a lot of movies. He's done a lot of movies, too. Exactly. Yeah. Tom Cruise, all yep. that. So um, he just, he has a really, really broad breadth of knowledge for fabrics, materials, uh, the stitch work. He makes all of the, um, uh, what is it, the... What they cut the suits from, the prints, the patterns. patterns. He makes all the patterns himself, yeah. yeah. So really, really cool stuff. Man, it's uh, the jumpsuit's cool. I want to go back to that first jump. Those two small canvases, do they still exist somewhere? They do. They're well, at my house. They're, they're called Beer 1 and 2. But they're blank, right? Well, I took them up again on okay. a couple of <laughs> Well, I took them up until I eventually got paint on them. <laughs> it would almost be cool if you would have saved them as blanks and had that memory of like, this hey, you got to start I, somewhere. I came from yeah. nothing and look where I am today. Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> so on that first jump, what orientation were you in? Belly, head? Belly to earth. Belly to earth. Belly to earth. Belly to earth. Yeah. Like I said, like starting as simplistic and basic as possible, um, really small canvases in your standard belly to earth orientation. And that is not a very successful way to capture this guy. I'm just going <laughs> to say. <laughs> so did um, you, I, I know now you mainly fly on your back. Mm-hmm. Barrel rolls are inserted and we'll, yep. we'll get to, I guess, to the, some of your techniques. Yep. <laughs> uh, so it's so cool to say barrel rolls and artistic technique because <laughs> no more artistic than that. Uh, when did you decide to go from your belly to your back? Uh, it didn't take long. I want to say that it was less than 10 jumps before I realized that you know, the, the terminal winds are just so intense that what would happen is if, if I would finally get the paint to meet the canvas, which I, you know, have to get the containers really, really close to the canvas because the moment that paint leaves the container, it starts to turn into a fine mist. If yeah. you've ever, like, taken a water bottle with you on yep. a jump yeah, or something, yeah. you know. So um, it's the same way with the paint. And uh, so I have to be really close when I release and, you know, if the paint makes it to the canvas, well, then the winds are sitting there and pulling on it the entire time. And what would happen is that, you know, the paint would meet the canvas and then it gets stripped completely from it. And I'd come down with just kind of like a stain of color as a part as opposed to the kind of textured pieces that I bring down now where you can physically see like the waves of the wind, um, which I think oh, is, is... Do any of those have that wavy effect? Yeah, yeah. 
so you can see in some of these how oh yeah because i burble out the brunt of the winds now it's just kind of the burbles playing on the sides of my legs yeah um and it allows you to see uh, really it's like the sky's finger paintings is how i like to describe it you know <laughs> so I've seen these. So if you guys and gals, if you've ever like checked out Captured Sky, if you haven't, find them on Facebook. Super awesome. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live, Ben's holding some of them up. Um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, well, i got to ask you about that too. Yes, but it, they look great on online. They, they look phenomenal. They look unbelievable. They're way better in person. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so the much. The wind <laughs> thing that you're talking about, I mean, all those waves, the, the sky is, I am holding a cloud in my hand right now. Oh. Yes, yes. Like th that was what you wanted to yes, capture, right? That's exactly what I wanted. Wonderful. Thank oh you. Oh my God. It's it's unbelievable. Um I got a few questions I gotta ask about this, man. I, my brain has been going crazy. We talked about getting together, oh, I think almost a year ago for the first time. I hit you up and you said yes, at some point you're gonna be are you coming through Houston? No, I might be in Dallas, and it just never worked out. Yeah. I almost set up the show in PIA. And if I was at PIA, I would have asked you. I actually had all the studio equipment with me and more. What? Um, but I just, we couldn't get the space. It, was, mm. it wasn't worth a hassle. I had a lot of work there, so. But that PIA convention was dope, Ooh. right? That was pretty dope, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, your really first cool. time? My first time at PIA, yeah. 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 And yours as well? And, yes. main, and mainly it was my first time because it was here in Dallas. And like, yeah. why would I not go to it in Dallas? Yeah. Dude, it's worth traveling to. So you know, cool. get a homie to split a hotel room with if you, unless you want to pay it for it yourself. Great. Now I got to come up with homies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you got to get friends. You got to find a homie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love it. I've gone to it for years, uh, mainly as, or initially as a participant and uh, eventually working with some manufacturers there, having yeah. a good time. That's super um, cool. You, you hung out with us quite a bit in the L&B booth. I mean, every single day I was there, man. <laughs> I was like, sign me up. It was super cool. And every day I had something something new and interesting, someone to talk to, something to meet, like uh, the Vector Bill Boots cowboy rig was yeah. like super hot. Oh, man. There was so much cool stuff. I was like, wow, we're like a legit sport, guys. Good job. It's crazy. What was your favorite part of PIA? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I think seeing Bill Booth, meeting Bill Booth was just, you know, I was kind of starstruck after that, especially because I just recently had my first cutaway ever. Um, and so now I keep, and because it was a captured sky jump, I had video of it, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I just keep watching those three rings disconnecting one by one, pop, pop, pop. And I'm just like, man, thank you. Thank you for your ingenuity and just what a clever man you are. So uh, that was really, really cool. And just seeing how elaborate all the setups were. I mean, they had that, that army setup where you could go in and it felt like you were in a cargo yeah. aircraft and uh and then they had other ones where it was like full-on parachutist and the drogues out and i mean it was just the coolest thing ever it's it was lot. pretty rad i'm not yeah. gonna lie yeah. yeah yeah what was your favorite part man i gotta tell you so i think it was just the so many new inventions and so many new things coming out from the different video systems that are being developed yeah. that are yeah. that are pretty amazing for uh utilization at larger drop zones and Man, one piece tracking suits, and how about that uh, that UPT? Is it the mutant rig? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, oh, how yes. rad was that? I yes. mean, there's just so many things. I forgot the, about that. The the, 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 <laughs> the canopy stuff, and it's just so amazing to see how far the sports come in the very little yes. time that I've been in the sport. It only makes you wonder where this, where's the sport going to be in another Definitely. ten years? Definitely. Yes. I'm, I'm picturing a time in life where like. 
I'm the old, old, old skydiver, and it's like, huh, that guy used to fly a plane to altitude. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I walked up the other day. I, I got here. He still uses parachutes. Yeah. What an asshole. Well, yeah. <laughs> I got here Monday afternoon, and I, I'm here for a coach course. I'm cruising around, and I see this older instructor uh, talking to a student in the student training area. Nobody's around that I need to talk to right now, so I'm just going to come over, check it out. I like watching people teach. It's you know, people see me watch somebody teach. It's rarely a judgmental thing. It's usually like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? You know, you learn from each other, Definitely, right? Definitely. Yeah. And I don't quite see this fellow, but I catch him from behind, and I sit in a corner, and man, I like the way he's talking to the student. I like the information he's giving out. And I keep thinking, yeah, man, I don't know who this older dude is, but right on. And then I kind of turned and looked down and wasn't paying attention, but just kind of hearing his voice. I'm like, oh, boy, that's Heath. <laughs> that's Heath. I immediately told Heath some jokes about him being the old guy and <laughs> then had the question, like, when did we become the old guys on the DC? Because, I mean, this beard. Didn't used to have so much gray. No. Gray. Not no. going to lie. It, it, it's, it was pepper with a little bit of salt. It's turning more into salt with a little bit of yeah, pepper. Yeah. So it's, it's getting there. And uh, for the record, I agree. Heath is also old. old so <laughs> Yeah. But I'm older than him, so that's not fair. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. So you, you very quickly decided you wanted to get on your back. Yeah, the burble is where it's at. Yeah, Dude, I'm I really like gonna to flip be on my back. Like, wow, <laughs> really? That's how you're gonna lead into that segment? Wow, good yeah. job, DJ. Yeah, I, I oh, got but a lot of, what lot you actually what you discovered is that in the sky being on your back was better than being on your belly. That's what he yes. should have said. <laughs> yes, got it. That is it. Yep. Um, so I get I get a much better composition, but it also allows me the opportunity that if I want the wind to have more contact with the paint and, you know, have more blending with it, then I have the option of doing a barrel roll or doing a layout um, and allowing the full, full force of the wind to meet the canvas for a period of time. Um, so that can also vary and change the composition. Man, there's so much that you just said right there. So you're on your back. I want <laughs> yep. to... I got, I got the eyes here. He just can't let Keep it go. Keep going, man. You're, you're on your back. You, you're doing it, bro. You leave the airplane. Uh-huh, yeah. You've got things strapped to you. Yes. You've got canvases on your arms, on your legs. Mm-hmm. How do you choose canvases? How do you choose what you're going to do? So um, when I initially started, again, it was it was like there wasn't much that I could do in terms of leaning on other people's experience. So it was just, Hey, had to, had to develop it yourself. Yeah. I just, I'm just going to wing it. Almost, so almost like Bill Booth wing it. Yeah. Yes. Almost yes. You're, the, you're the Bill Booth of artistic <laughs> skydiving. You hearing that Bill Booth? <laughs> yeah, Where's the beard? Animal. Um, what? You got to pull your hair around and make it look like a beard. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could be Betty Booth. Betty Booth. There it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is you it, look like RD. Is it working? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, let's see. So, yeah, initially it was just kind of like whatever, you know. I didn't have that Lots much Lots of experimenting. And exactly. So, you know, it didn't really matter initially what colors I took up or what canvas size I took up. I mean, again, I was always incrementally working up in size-wise. And then also uh, as I got more comfortable with what I was doing in the wind, then I, you know, I started taking like one on my arm and one on my leg or something like that. Um, but, uh, as I got, gained more experience because I took really meticulous notes in the beginning, like all, you know, skydivers and our log books and everything. When I first started doing captured sky, the notes were just like enormous, you know? Um, but you learned a lot from it. I'm guessing. <laughs> exactly. The notes. So taking notes and logging, very good, very good. Um, but, uh, but that's also how I learned that, you know, there are so many colors that 
they, you know, you might have thought they was going to look good together, but they do not <laughs> look good together when they're in free fall and they're allowed to all kind of like commingle and commiserate. Like I got some really ugly. So there've been some that you've landed and you're like, wow, I'm getting rid of this one. Oh, this yeah. didn't turn out right. Yeah. Well, I couldn't bring myself to get rid of them. Um, okay. So I've got them named like lessons learned and stuff okay. like that. And don't do that again. And, you know, so, which is funny because, you know, when you look at art from a broader perspective, I'm not artistic. I don't consider myself to be very artistic myself, but autistic. but when you look at maybe autistic, but when you look <laughs> at artists throughout the centuries, right, you only see the pa- paintings that they, that are, they're famous for, right? You right. very rarely see the paintings that they kind of mistakes, they kind of screwed up mm-hmm. and they just, you know, where they end up, they end up in the trash or something like that. So that's to me is very interesting to know, I just assume that everything that you do is just like, oh, this is amazing, and I'm going to hang it up. But there's times that you land, and you're like, well, that was yep. kind of crappy. That was a waste of a jump. <laughs> oh, 25 Definitely. bucks down yeah. the tubes. Definitely. That happens more often than you think, actually. Um, now, not as much because I have learned a lot. but And I also... Um, I try as much as possible to figure out what's going to happen in the sky uh, by doing like my own form of artistic dirt diving. So I mix the colors up to the consistency that I want because the paints as I get them from the store are actually not at. Um, yeah, I was curious about that. Like, do you do certain like what do you add? What kind of additives do you put into paint for skydiving that you, you know, you don't just buy it off the shelf and throw it on there? Yeah. So sometimes the paint as I get them from the store are just they're a little too thick and so I water them down water them down with water oh, okay, cool. um, because that's the most natural thing I can and you're using water based paints aren't absolutely, you? absolutely yes yes um, which is a really good opportunity to take uh, and say that um, all the materials that I use the, the paints that I use are non-toxic water based paints they've been chosen specifically for the type of hydroponic uh, solution that they're mixed in so that they are not harmful to flora or fauna nice. or so my gear. So the stuff that's fallen on corn and stuff yes, like that's not really not, doing anything. It's not, you know, it's yeah. it's made with natural pigments. We're talking about like ground up limestone and stuff like that Interesting. Uh, in, in water solutions so that again, it's not harmful to my gear, but more importantly, it's not harmful to the environment as the excess gets released. Um, but all that to say also, I mean, I take up I usually take up anywhere from four to five two-ounce flip-top containers, and I never expel the entirety of those containers in a given jump. So I'm releasing usually less than six ounces of paint in any given jump. Uh, I try and get most of that on the canvas, <laughs> but the little bit that gets you know blown into the wind is you know, it's turned into a really fine mist. It's spread over miles and when it lands, it's washable and it just goes straight back to the environment, which is what it came from. I love that it's not just art, but it's, it's thoughtful art. You Absolutely. Know, well, if anything, what that says is, responsible. Uh, you know, as skydivers, we are very keen on dirt diving and planning and pre-planning before we go do, especially jumps that we're not familiar with or things that are increasingly risky. And I like the fact that you not only took the risk factor in your own safety into consideration, but you also took the environment into consideration, which to me says that you've spent a lot of time and energy into doing it right, which is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there was, I'm, there was a long time between when I thought, Hey, you know, maybe I could do this, like take paint and canvas to the wind and and let the sky create, uh, before I had the free fall experience, like the jump number and the currency to make me comfortable to feel where I felt like I was you know, able to take on this new challenge. Um, and then also 
for me to do the research, to know the type of materials that would be okay, and then how they would interact with my gear. Because again, uh, we're at this really safe drop zone. Um, I wanted to be able to answer with a surety to my SNTA, to my rigor. Uh, we contacted UPT because at the time I was jumping a vector and, and talked to them as well about the uh, components of the gear and what makes up the container and uh, what sort of um, paint, like whether or not it was going to have any sort of effect on the gear that they could, any foreseeable effect. Uh, they said, no, it's just going to change the aesthetics. Why would you ever want to put paint on one of our rigs? Which to me <laughs> says the rig that I see hanging up in our loft right now that's covered in paint, that is art and needs yeah. to be hung up somewhere. Maybe that needs to be at the next uh, PIA at the U UBT. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve is the name of my rig and Steve is a work of art now too. Yeah. <laughs> so... You man, there's it's just so much, so much going on. It's so <laughs> crazy how much thoughts have gone into this. You've now explored with paints. You found what you want for mixtures. Mm. You found that being on your back is good. Barrel rolls in and out is helpful. How are you actually releasing? Is the word you use? Yeah, for paint. Yeah. So um, basically, what I'm doing is gestural abstraction, which is what Jackson Pollock first coined. You know, yeah. where we're it's really just kind of an, considered an action art form where uh, motion and momentum are used as Sling you and paint. Exactly, yeah. you know. I mean, that's really what it is. Um, but uh, part of what makes Jackson's Jackson Pollock's work so compelling is the fact that um, by seeing the paint kind of in this like raw sense, you're you're also appreciating the environment in which it was made. You know the the action that was used to create the artwork, and and, so, and the fact that there's no two pieces that are ever going to look exactly the same. Exactly. There's so I never got that from his or those style paintings. I understand what you're saying now. But I get it from watching what you do in this. Well, thank you. I think you really <laughs> capitalized on that idea. I think you put it to the top emphasis possible. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, for sure. We'll let Pollock know. <laughs> <laughs> Chump change. <laughs> so it's what kind of, you said it was But But the, uh, the thing to make, the, the point to make, sorry to interrupt, the point to make is that when you're looking, so you your name is Captured Sky, right? And when you're looking at the stuff Jackson Pollock did, the stuff that's being put on the canopy, or excuse me, on the canvas, is a direct representation of him. The stuff you're putting on the can canvas is a direct representation of the sky. Yeah, so I like to I like to call myself the facilitator, you know. So I get discretion. Like the middleman. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's a collaboration between me and the wind. I get the artistic discretion by choosing the colors that she's going to work with, and yeah, the consistency because uh, depending on how viscous I make them, will have make them perform differently in the wind. So I get the discretion there, and what size canvas she's going to work with, and also uh, the order in which I release the paints and how I release them. That's all going to change the design. But ultimately, once I release it into the wind. Completely up to that. She she it goes. She has discretion then. Yes. Um, so ultimately, the final design is is a product of the sky. It's, it is her creation. It's Which her to me artwork. is more of a collaboration than you'd see from someone like Jackson Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People need to yeah, really go you. to Captured Sky on Facebook and see how you do this because you're on your back now. I'm, I'm still there. Yeah. And you're still <laughs> going down that path, man. You're killing me. Of paint, and you're literally 
flinging, just hucking paint yeah. at it. I think part of it is it's the style, but part of it is, is you, even in the burp, will have to overcome the wind. If you're not mm. aggressive, it's not going to happen, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I've, I don't know. I think it's it's become easier uh, that I've learned ways that either ways to hold the bottles and how to um, use the burble. Yeah, how to use the burble to my benefit so that there's maybe less wind right as I'm releasing, but then I can kind of like dip aside and get more wind to spill out onto the <laughs> canvas. So um, it just <laughs> it just again it all kind of depends on what it is I'm trying to achieve, but uh, ultimately the pieces from start to finish will be composed entirely above ground. There's, there's work that's done not only in free fall, but also under canopy. So I deploy, uh, like at tandem levels, really I'm, I'm pitching like right under 5,000 feet usually. And I use that additional canopy time so that I can then, after I, uh, perform my safety checks and everything, get my slider stow, then I can use that excess time to then take paint and throw it out in front of me. Man, that's interesting. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. But you <laughs> use all aspects of the wind. Yeah, I try whether, and milk whether, it as whether much as I can. <laughs> yeah, whether it's in free fall or whether it's under your parachute mm-hmm, yes. to to create that art. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, mm. because because we get really different. Um, we get different designs based on when the paint was released. So if you look at this piece here. This portion, that background blending, that's done in free fall. This background blending is free fall. But those more bold, punctuated accents, that's under canopy. The big chunky parts. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Wow. And this one is a piece that in free fall, uh, there really wasn't all that much that made that I got paint to the canvas in free fall. Um, so just under canopy, I did a bunch of clapping. I put tons and tons <laughs> of different colors of paint and I just clapped. And that's how I got these really small, busy, you know, but ultimately again, the, the wind and the sky had the discretion of placing those little Where, happy, when and how colorful marks all over this canvas. Yeah. Um, now, and again, all these examples for the people who are like watching on Facebook and everything, these are not uh, completely true captured sky pieces. O- truly organic captured sky pieces don't have any sort of embellishment. What you're looking at here on these pieces are ones that I actually called collaborative catches where I paint down an image beforehand or I tape an image off and then I jump the piece and uh and then right like after a gang landing, move I jump the piece <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then I remove the uh the tape or the masking fluid this one's done with masking which fluid. is still in my opinion very much a collaboration like yeah oh yeah I really like I really like I like that I really do is that cool yeah thank that's you. really cool thank you and then, and then actually, there's another, uh, these pieces, um, once they dry, there's another aspect to Captured Sky that's pretty important is that, again, the intent is for it to be a piece of the sky. So I don't personally sign the artwork. What I do instead is I go in with a wood-burning tool and I engrave the piece's conception information into the back of the canvas frame. So that information is going to tell you the date the piece was jumped, the name of the piece, how much sky it captured. So that's actually, uh, it's free Free fall time. time. Uh huh. And then the conditions of the sky at the time it was painted. So I see on this particular one, I see a date, 72719. Sky high is... Is the name of this piece. Sky high is the name of the piece. Mm -hmm. And then I see 49 seconds of free fall and big fluffy clouds were were 
was what was the conditions while you were doing that job. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So that you know what sky painted the piece for you. Wow. So, uh, and then, yeah, of course, I also removed the rigging and stuff. So I used two-inch industrial Velcro straps, and they're just rigged to these canvases with uh, a wood stapler, like an upholstery stapler, you know, okay, so I'm yeah, using, like, sense. really big one-inch or half-inch um, ah. T50 staples and uh, rigging these guys up with straps so that I can affix them to my thighs and my arms. Um, and then after they dry... I'll go in and remove the straps. I'll reuse those straps. I reuse as much stuff as I can. So like the the containers, I'll try and, you know, reuse the the paints and stuff like that as well cuz again, I I've recently joining Instagram and everything, the big push for green and, you know, uh being as uh, little waste and whatnot as possible. So I I Try not to uh, throw away any of the things that I can't, you know, wash or use again. And another thing that I've been doing with some of these paints, the leftover paints, is this this new concept of like the sky fluff necklaces and things like that. So these guys, oh look at that, um, are made with these are resin casted uh, jewelry that's made with the same paints that came down from captured sky jumps. So the pigments that are used to color those necklaces. How much does this sell for? Huh? How Uh, much does that sell for? Those guys are $21. Cool. I'm buying it for my wife. Thank you. Oh, okay. (laughs) She will wear that to work. She will love that. That is right up her alley. So where where does this, where do these come from then directly? Like off of, like out of the bottles or out okay, of the so like where do you where are you getting the pigments? So yeah, the pigments um, is the leftover paint that okay. from a jump. So it's paint that has gone on a skydive, uh, was used for a captured sky jump, but is like the remaining in the, the bottle because, like I said, I don't typically release all the paint that's sure. in there. Um, and then for this particular one that's got uh, the little like chunks, what you're looking at is actually model. Uh, magic that I let dry out and then I carry it in little tiny bags in my jumpsuit okay. so that it too has Which gone on a skydive. Sky yeah. um, and then I cast these things in resin so that they look like pieces of the sky. They look so, exactly like clouds in the sky. You know, yeah, yeah. So these are these are not quite, you know, a true organic piece of art from the sky herself but the materials that were used yeah. to make it have been in free fall exactly and yeah. the rope the cord too uh, everything except the resin because resin if, if anybody listening or watching has ever worked with resin it's like these big jugs and you got to mix it up and cure it and i don't take that on <laughs> free fall with me um yes please yeah yeah definitely when did you come up with the idea for those uh, so these are brand new. I've just started yeah. doing that these this year. This That's season. pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Because you've come, so you've come to uh, our operation here at Scott Space on the Dallas for the Fourth of July boogie two years in a row now, three yes. years, two um, years. Yeah, I've done two years with Spaceland and then another year with, when it was okay, uh, cool. Skydive Dallas. And so I didn't see those when you came out this last time. So are those like completely brand new or have you been doing that for a few months now? Oh, they were here at the book. Were they? Oh, man, I was Maybe so busy. Maybe I didn't have them prominently displayed. I don't know. I was also probably very busy. So <laughs> yes, I don't know. you're a very busy man. Yes, yes. Those are pretty awesome. I like those. I like those a lot. Dude, Thank you. Thank this you so is much. dope. I, just the 3D to the clouds. It's very layered. I mean, it, it it looks like I'm wearing a cloud around my neck. Yeah, well, thank you, yeah. thank you so much. So, yeah, again, I what bred the concept of captured sky was just that desire 
to have something from the sky, you know, for, for us, that's a piece of our environment that is just, it's mesmerizing, it's captivating, it holds our dreams, uh, our feelings of faith, our expectations, you know, we look to the sky and it's, it's a piece of our environment that regardless of where you live, whether you live in arid deserts or on coastal beaches or in plains or mountains, you still have some sky that you're looking up at and it's this universal theme that connects us. Um, <clears throat> So just like if we go to a beach and we, you know, want to have something from that beach to connect us to that place, we take a seashell or we go and climb a mountain, we take a stone from that mountain. Um, you know, similarly, I wanted us to be able to to claim something from the sky, to take something from the sky. And I felt like, you know, how unfortunate is it that this place that's, you know, such a big part of our lives, whether you're a skydiver or not, it's, it's this really important aspect of our environment, this life-giving aspect of our environment, and how unfortunate that we can't have something from it that connects us more intimately. And, and I think that's the most unique part about Captured Sky to me, because, so, uh, you know, skydivers are very keen on having video and still pictures of the jumps that they do, but we're not, we're, we're capturing a, a a picture of that, but we're not taking anything away from that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so as times progressed, you know, the, the, um, the technology obviously has changed in the form of video and still photography and videography, but, uh, still we're only getting, a, we're only taking a picture of what we see around us, but we're not really taking anything physically away from that. And that to me, when I first saw this, I was like, this is ingenious. <laughs> this is completely ingenious. Oh, it is you. it is exactly like what you were saying. It's like going to the beach and taking away a shell or going to uh, a mountain and taking away a rock. The the act of bringing this, you know, physically away from the sky is what's going to is what draws people closer to that that situation. Yeah. In a way that a picture and a and video just doesn't quite do. Yeah, definitely. In my opinion. Thank you. No, Thank you. I, I agree, man. And why do people want art? And they want art because it's unique. Mm -hmm. How many of their sky artists are there out there? I don't know of one. <laughs> do you? I mean, really, I don't know of one. Do you? There's a there's a guy who does something. He's vexed uh, art or something. He does. He takes tubes up and uh, releases paint on the tubes. But I'm not entirely sure. He's from another country, so I'm not. So he's, so he's not guy, real, that's for sure. Vex art kidding. guy, if you're... Well, like I said, again, Instagram, game changer. So in my Instagramming, whatever, I had one of my hashtags I used was skydive artists. And uh, and so and I, have, I have seen this guy. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Vex art guy. I don't know your actual name, but I think his handle is something Vex art. And, uh, and he takes up tubes, you know, like... Free the, fly tubes? Yeah, free fly tubes that have... I think prints of dead beetles on them. I'm not, I don't understand it really, but he puts paint on them and it's something about like destroying art. He has some sort of concept about, you know, so there is, there's that guy. So there you know, is, you're not alone. The, you know, you're not alone. I feel like those are two different things though. I feel like this is pretty unique. There's as, as far as I know, art. there's no one in the world that creates the way I do for the reasons that I do. So like Tigger, I'm the only one. <laughs> 
<laughs> a, we, a loader in Houston is also nicknamed Tigger. So I was like, she's talking about stuff. Are you talking about stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one. So I want. I'm. I keep going back to the process, and I love you. Keep going on and carrying on these tangents. These are perfect. <laughs> if you feel like you're going in different places, this is the way the show works. We okay. Just, we just talk trash. <laughs> um, going back to the color. So you've now gotten where. Now I'm going to start picking what canvas I want to take out with me. Now I want to start picking what colors. Yeah. Before you leave the house, do you already know your basic plan of how you're going to lay it out, what you're going to do, the order of operations? Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah, we're <laughs> we are a well-oiled machine these days. So, I mean, the process is pretty um, it's actually pretty labor intensive. Uh, so it starts with first. Yeah, getting an idea for a color scheme that I think is going to work. It's not necessarily going to work but a color scheme that i think is going to work and i'll first take those colors i'll mix them up to the consistencies and then i have a sketchbook that i work with at the house i put the colors into the sketchbook and i finger paint with them i like practice with not practice but experiment with like different orders like whether or not you know so different layers like what colors should go first what colors should go second exactly exactly because they'll they'll react differently depending on which one was put down first so uh so i finger paint with the pieces I get an idea of, okay, yeah, I want to use these colors. They are indeed going to work or no, they don't work like I was hoping to. I or get, maybe the consistency of the paint and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the, what I call unintentionals, which are the colors that will uh, occur when they all mix together yeah. or something. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I cannot risk that happening. That's going to look like a turd. <laughs> yes, basically. exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> turd like unintentionals. <laughs> these <laughs> but, colors are amazing together, but they look like baby vomit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and kind amazing chunky. separately but they look like baby um, together. <clears throat> that almost happened with that one. But anyways, uh, so uh, play with them in the sketchbook. Then once I've decided that, yes, these are indeed going to work, then I usually fill out the bottles because I don't mix the entirety, you know, until I'm sure that those are the colors that are going to work. So I mix the colors. And then because I'm usually having to also juggle that mom life, um, I'm coming out to the DZ and I'm making sure that I can do multiple jumps in any given day. So uh, after the jump, the colors are prepped, then I'll put them into little Ziploc bags with little like uh, cheat sheets. Notes. Yes. To tell myself, oh, the order. And, um, you know, maybe because sometimes I like to experiment with like punctuated uh, marks where I kind of throw down the paint in like little bursts and then other times I'm wanting to work with like striations and so I'm doing like long sweeping motions across the canvas and I put notes to all that yeah. um, so that I'll remember and then I'll have like multiple Ziploc bags with all my notes and everything so it takes wow. the better half of an afternoon for me to prep for my jumps um, with all the paints and everything and then uh, similarly I've got cheat sheets for uh, prepping up the canvases. I used to prep those at the house because it's also sort of time consuming. It's rigging up all the straps and everything, Um, but it's hard to transport the canvases with the straps uh, to the back of them. It'll warp the canvas and everything. So oftentimes now I'm leaving that piece to once I get to the DZ, but I have all the canvases lined up and little notes on their back that say which color combination is supposed to go with what canvas, because by the time I get to the DZ, Lord knows I'm not going to remember that. Um, but uh, and then we drive out to the DZ. Fortunately, I'm only about an hour from here. So I uh, drive out to the DZ and um, I try and do four to five jumps in a day. Um, but it takes me a pretty decent amount of time to turn. So, 
uh, once I get down. But it helps that she has her husband here to be <laughs> her personal packer. <laughs> yes, I do. Shout Frank's out to Frank good Cole. For something. Yes. Shout out yes. to Frank, man. You packed that parachute yeah. very well, my friend. Your pack is so good. Is so good. <laughs> uh, Are you racist? Are you making fun of my mother? <laughs> uh oh. Oh, wow. This just took nah, a, it's it's a really hard her. turn. No, yeah. I, I make fun of her all the time too. She actually gets a little upset. Yeah, it, it's Aww. so uh, not to cha- I'm changing the subject as fast as I can because I, uh, as you've been talking here, the first thing that's popped into my mind is that the preparation that goes into this is way beyond what I even even I would imagine, and I know that the preparation that has you've had to do in order to be at this position where you're making this this type of art is so past what the average person can even consider. Number one, you had to learn to skydive, right? Word. And, and that, and <laughs> that, that was a tough one. <laughs> and that in and of itself is not easy to do. Number two, you had to gain experience as a skydiver yep. in order to be able to plan these skydives safely. Yeah. Number three, you had to experiment with a new art form that nobody has ever exper- experimented with before and come up with a way of doing it safely. And now, number four, I'm listening to you talk about being at home and all the preparation that goes into just coming out and making five skydives on a Saturday, which for most skydive jumpers here, that's like a normal. That's not. It's not that's actually a slow Saturday. Like yeah. they come on make ten jumps. Mm. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I wanted to talk a little bit about the naysayers, right? Oh please. So yeah. <laughs> you've, uh, and I'm assuming we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, because I think that's a good conversation to have. But you've recently experienced some opportunity to expand your uh, to, to expand the the visibility of of, uh, of Captured Sky in the sense that your online presence has become a little bit bigger. And the one thing I noticed immediately when you started seeing posts that had a few thousand views were it was it seemed like there was either people that were like this is the most amazing thing in the world or people that were just like my 6-year-old can do better than that. Most right? of them hated it. I know, right? <laughs> and so and so the thing is um it's funny to me to look at those knowing what I know about the experience now prior but now about the experience that you had getting to this point and the amount of preparation, the amount of work, and the amount of experimentation it took to get here. How do you deal with that in your mind when you when you see those types of posts? I mean, I'm sure it makes you upset, but at the same time, I mean, how do you what do you do to deal with the naysayers that are just sitting there being like, oh, my six-year-old can do better than that. Oh, yeah, your six-year-old can skydive? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah uh-huh, sure. Yeah, you know, it was it was really rough the the first time I saw that because you know, yeah, I hadn't had, I had my Facebook page running and my website running and my blog post running since 2013. So I felt like I've been on the interwebs, you know, yeah. like <laughs> I've been here, um, no big deal. And then it wasn't until I, you know, started doing Instagram and that started connecting me with um, some platforms like Viral Hog and stuff that started distributing my my videos on a much, much broader scale. And uh, the very first one that was like, hit it big was with lad bible and i didn't even know that the content was going to be on lad bible and somebody like tagged me and shared yeah. it on my page and i, and was I think that's like, the one i'm thinking of because i saw <laughs> there was there was thousands of responses oh yeah dude. and they were they were, we're not good. there was no no there <laughs> there was a, a lot that were very good i want to say that there was no in between it was like it was either super amazing <laughs> or the dumbest thing anyone's ever seen yeah but it's also from the context of as skydivers, right? When you talk to other people that are not skydivers, 
and they can't even wrap their brain around the fact that you're skydiving to this to the point where like that's the dumbest thing ever why would anyone ever do that and how do you explain that to someone now you're trying to explain to somebody about skydiving and about creating art in that environment and i just remember reading some of those going like man i hope she's not sitting at home right now just bawling her eyes out because <laughs> these people are being some of the meanest people i've ever seen <laughs> yeah it was like i said it was kind of rough that that first like Fourier into the the internet and that exposure was was tough to handle because like I said I was like soaring you know past cloud nine I was going yeah. beyond the moon I was out of this solar system excited and then I was like when I calmed down just a little bit I was like well let's take a look at what people think <laughs> and I, they always put the comments that have the most interactions <laughs> in the top and so you know it was a guy who was saying some not so nice things and i read that comment and i just looks like you know <laughs> crashing back down super hard to reality and uh it was it was kind of rough at first but my skin has grown a lot tougher from it and honestly i'm really thankful for the experience because um you know, the best way the best way I can explain this is hopefully with a, a movie that you guys have seen. Has anybody seen The Labyrinth? Uh, mind me of the babe. What? Okay, thank are you, God. Are you kidding me? Good, because I was saying this to another group of jumpers the other day. I'm a product like, of the what? '80s, so okay. I don't know what thank to tell you. you. What about yeah. over here? I can't. He's remember. a product of the '70s. I, I, I watched it, but I can't remember any movie David I watched Bowie? more than like five okay. minutes ago. Okay, well, Con Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Oh, whew, man. Babe, yeah. Babe. Okay. No so bad memories days. But Jim, Jim Henson. Anyways. So they're in a labyrinth, as the name implies. Which they're is in a maze labyrinth. to you that don't understand, yeah. <laughs> DJ. That's amazing. So <laughs> amazing maze, and as they're going through the labyrinth, if you remember the part where. Um, you know, Huggles like helping Sarah and uh, they're going down this one hallway and there's all those like brick walls on the thing. They're like, do not go further. No, the path you go on <laughs> is the wrong path. And they're, you know, just really ominous, negative faces on the wall. And uh, and Huggles says, oh, don't mind them. They're they're everywhere in the labyrinth. And it usually they usually show up when you're on the right path, you know, so <laughs> Like, Man, that is the best way to look at that whole situation. <laughs> so I feel like that's the thing, you know, when people see something that they're maybe they're jealous of or they're, why didn't I think of that or, you know, whatever, that's when the haters are going to come out, you yeah, know, sure. like when you're on the right path, when you're doing something that they wish they could be doing, that's when they're going to come out and start trying to beat you down and pull you away from that place. Um, so, you know, I really, I, my advice to anybody is that if you have something that you're passionate about, then that's really all that matters. You know, you be your own best advocate, be your own best cheerleader. And it doesn't matter, you know, what other people say and try not to focus on those things. I mean, obviously it's part of your world. It's part of your environment. We're all human. We're going to, you know, it's hard not to, be completely impervious, but you you hear those negative things, you're probably on the right path, you yep. know. Just keep doing you. <laughs> Do you still look at comments on social media? 
Absolutely. Because um, I have to, because I need them to drive up my algorithms. So <laughs> I don't care if you're hating on Captured Sky. I'm going to comment like, oh, really? Well, okay. I'll tell you right now, uh, if, <laughs> if, you, if you're hating on Captured Sky, that's people are still seeing that. Yeah. Howard Stern. Exactly. And by that, I mean like, it's that old adage that, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Bad news or bad news is good news yeah. or yeah like what's, i'll take what's it a, yeah hey people <laughs> are talking an about it. no news uh, uh yeah there was a guy from the lad bible thing who came and found my instagram account and was like hating on me there and i was like hey look listen up buddy people like me over here and he started like hating on me and i you know me and several of my followers were like commenting back to him mm. i'm like you're I not mean, gonna win here all, all but, you really you know? all you really got to do is just be like go do what i do bro yeah yeah go knock yourself out yeah you'd be surprised how little that yeah. No, yeah. There's no such thing as bad publicity, I think, is what you were going yeah, with earlier. I think, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll and, take it. <laughs> yeah, dude, no, it's... And, man, who did I just say a second ago? My brain went dead. Um, I don't know. Crap. Anyways, uh, th- bad publicity, it doesn't matter. They're they're bringing you attention. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, the interactions, I need them because Instagram is hard to break into. <laughs> How many followers do you have? On Instagram now, on the gram. I have 15.5 thousand followers. Woo! The and I gram. joined in July 20th of last year. Yeah, you just started it not too long yeah. ago. Yeah, but that does not there. just happen, guys. That <laughs> does not just happen. I read an article by Jay Wolf, um, who's an artist on Instagram. He's still on Instagram now. Really awesome guy. I reached out to him personally. He's really awesome guy but i've been following his advice uh so if there's anybody out there who by chance has something that they're trying to promote and it's visual then instagram is where you need to be and i encourage you to read jay wolf's article on forbes about how he left his nine to five job uh by selling his artwork through instagram (laughs) i I don't think it's just visual because i follow a lot of content creators the podcast ultimately is is content and because of it a i'm a podcast consumer but i also look at other things youtube videos twitch whatever gaming things and, and i love good content and what's been neat to watch in social media is how many different content creators have nothing to do with video or pictures uh still have a much larger following on instagram than they do on facebook nowadays yeah i mean the gram has really gotten to be where it's at and, yeah. and it doesn't matter and, and it's at the point now where you do see text on Instagram, which is kind of annoying. I'd rather see pictures and photos. Yes, yes, yes. But it's, it's Facegram, uh, Facegram, <laughs> Facebook is sort of a dying platform. I mean, no offense. And maybe I'm no, not, it is, it is hundred yeah. percent. So, um, but Instagram has been a big, big game changer. I mean, my Facebook page, started it in 2013. It's got right now like 613 likes or followers or whatever it is. 613 for six years of work. But I I joined Instagram last year, literally last year. I didn't even have a personal account. Um, and I linked my business Instagram account to my Facebook and started gearing all of my posts and content to whatever was going to work for Instagram. And like I said, I got 15.5 thousand followers now uh, there, whereas... Facebook is still it's just 600 600 yeah. Yeah. yeah by the way speaking of Facebook I know some people have said on Facebook that they don't think the microphones are working uh, I have the mobile set I have a bunch of stuff and gear I have to travel with and I forgot one cable that is about an inch long to get good audio to the Facebook camera or to my cell phone ultimately so yes yeah, sorry Facebook uh, live you guys are actually listening through my cell phone microphone 
Um, we are still trying to get the mobile setup. I only do a couple mobile setups a year. So uh, I just, yeah, no, I, I, it's got to be worth it. I mean, this is a lot of gear to travel with and a lot to set yeah. up and take down. There's, there's a lot going on said and done. Um, so sorry, Facebook Live people. Go download the audio podcast. A lot of our fans who watch still don't know you can download it. Um, listen to it on the go. Listen to it on your own. If you have an iPhone, you have an iPod and a, uh, a uh, podcast player. If you have Android, look not for only that Podbean. you can add um, you can add Gravity Lab radios as one of your favorites, so that when new ones pop up, it notifies you. Yeah, just subscribe. Sweet. Just so you know, just subscribe and automatically download. I got uh, a few Pod, that I love. Podbean for Android users is a good app. It's free for any platform. So I actually uh, I use Downcast. I, I'm a podcast nerd, so I use something I had to pay for to get some stupid oh. things. I, I like podcasts. I like listening to people talk. Yeah. That, dude, you learn a lot from these nerds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do, man. It's so good to hear. If like, only yeah. we could find people that will learn from this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, tonight, actually, I'm getting a lot out of it. So you you show up to the DZ. Now, you've put four to six hours of work at home figuring out what you want to do. You show up, and you're going to do like four or five jumps. You have your inks laid out or your paints laid out in order, how you're going to uh, apply them, whether, like you said, uh, Dotting is that what you called it? Yeah, sure, whatever. No, or <laughs> so we're making up new names. And use it. We're making up new names, man. Yeah, we're creating an art form. Yeah. Um, when you show up, how long does it take you to get ready for one jump? Uh, gearing up isn't that long. I mean, I used to work in the sport and I can gear up pretty quick. Yeah, uh, but I try to make sure that I always start my gear up process on the fifteen minute call, so that that way I'm over and in the loading area at the five minute call geared up oh, and everything. Just like I request people you to know, do. That's awesome. Sir. I mean, it's common sense. The dude. biggest hurdle she has to deal with right now is the, the asshole manager. Probably. <laughs> I got to watch out for that guy. <laughs> my, my guess really is the biggest hurdle you have to get through sometimes is I I'm positive. You love sharing your story and what you do, but sometimes you're like, man, I need to be focused right now. Yes, that does happen sometimes. I mean, obviously people, when they see me starting to gear up, they're really inquisitive and they're, curious and want to know and i want to answer those curiosities but sometimes i'm like hey man i'm on the clock one of the <laughs> funnest things that i've discovered as uh she comes out and gets geared up and walks out is just i take a step back and i just watch as she walks across the waddles all, 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 really. as, she, as she waddles across <laughs> the uh, the packing area all the way over to the loading area and i just watch and usually kids are the kids are some of the funnest expressions you know, they're like little puppy dogs that do the like tilted head thing. <laughs> and so they walk by and the kids are just like, huh, what's going on here? And they're like, mommy, what's going on? And the parents are like, I have no idea what's going on. Nobody knows. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nobody knows and nobody can it's know. A, it's a favorite hobby of mine these yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> so you exit late in the lineup, solo high pull. Yeah. Well, no, I'm solo free fly. Okay. And um, yeah, I usually just, I let people know that I'm going to be pulling a little bit higher and if there's any sort of an issue, then I pull lower and whatnot. So we just adjust. Yeah. Usually solo free fly outlast. Yeah. Usually an issue. Yeah. So, you're, um, you're pretty late out there. Um, you, you go up in the plane. How, how do you, is there a problem with space in the plane? How to, especially the caravan. Do you sit sideways? Um, so you saw me today with one of the largest, actually the largest piece that I've ever been able to successfully bring back down. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. 20 inches by 20 inches. I believe that's a, she owes beer for that, right? That's going to be a beer. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I was kind of wondering, I was pondering that the other day. If I'm the first person to have ever done it ever, then isn't the the (laughs) beer tradition though, isn't it bred from the idea that you're supposed to bring beer to pay to the person who 
tell you, you know, hey, I first learned how to do this from so-and-so, and this is how. You're also paying for beer to share the story and the learning opportunity. So you have to buy beer so we can learn from you and listen oh, to how okay. you yeah, get see, it. Yeah, see, it's a learning experience for all of us. <laughs> i got to give you beer so I you need can you learn. To learn. I need you to learn me some more IPAs immediately. <laughs> okay, all right. Duly noted. <laughs> Speaking of which, you guys good? There's still more beer? Are you? Yeah. I, I might be more. I don't okay. know. I might get it Um you you end up being in the plane. You so you get this twenty by twenty. How's the seating arrangement? That's yeah. Like? So um, with these larger canvases, because this that's pretty recent this this season that I'm taking these larger canvases and uh, which is a, a major step up from the tiny ones that you started with. Oh yeah, yes. Definitely. <laughs> now how big are these? What's the biggest? You so you said this is the biggest canvas. How big is that? It was twenty inches by twenty inches. Oh so wow, just barely two feet by two. Are feet. you still taking other canvases, or are you just taking that one? I am taking additional More. canvases. Okay. So. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I took three today. So okay. I had one on each one of my arms and then the large canvas strapped across both my legs. When are we going to get to the point where Frank has to hold a canvas in free fall? You know, I... And I've, you are underneath it doing your thing. I am desperately trying to figure out, you know... I feel like the, that could happen. The larger canvas. Well, the thing is landing it because, you know what, bringing in the artwork, which we haven't even really gotten to that... Point, but um, bringing in the artwork unscathed without is, crash landing. Oh I watched you word. land today, going like, "Don't biff, don't biff." Yes, but, up. and it, it's beyond that. It's like once I land, because I mean, that's at that point, it's piece. called captured ground, right? Yeah, captured <laughs> dirt. <laughs> Anybody can do that, <laughs> but I do it frequently. <laughs> but uh, my my suits captured dirt worthy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's going up in a gallery somewhere. Hopefully. But uh, but like just the the wind will try and blow my canopy back into yeah. canvases and stuff like that. So I have to be really careful from the moment I land. It's like, you know, I'm very gingerly removing canvases from my arms and legs and stuff like that so that they don't get disrupted. The other day I had a beautiful canvas, beautiful canvas. And the moment I landed this giant, like three inch long grasshopper just shot right into it and like <laughs> <laughs> flipped around all in it and like completely fouled up that corner of the painting and then flew off of it. I don't know where he went. I tried to look to see if he was okay or if I needed to, you know, give him mouth to mouth like or put him out of his misery. Maybe something, but I couldn't find him, which is surprising because he was covered in yellow paint. So, but, um, but yeah, call the peace grasshopper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should, (laughs) but yeah. So just getting the artwork in from the landing area, in the condition that it was when the sky painted it is also a challenge in and of itself. So um, I have to be really careful when I'm coming in that I don't, yeah, the wind doesn't pick up and blow my canvas into or blow my canopy into a canvas or something like that. The other day I landed in a no wind situation where I slid in uh, because the canvases sit a lot of times like right on the like right above my kneecap is that spot where you know the doctor hits it and your reflexes yeah, go or whatever yeah. so there'll be sometimes that if i'm not careful all of a sudden it'll kind of get that spot and i'll go like dead leg so <laughs> if i think it's going to be kind of a quick landing then i don't want to risk you know running it in so i'll always slide those landings in so i slid in a landing the other day and uh you know it's beautiful piece of artwork i'm all excited oh woo we've made it safely back to the ground. I wasn't paying attention and there was not enough wind. And it came right down on top. of Yeah. My canopy landed on top of me, which I feel in and of itself is also capturing the sky. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, the canopy is kind of 
part of the yeah part. exactly it's i'm not, I'm not going to trash those pieces well, maybe i'm sure it brings its own feet. character yeah they're very different looking <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's there's yeah. a change to it there's Captured something different canopy <laughs> so you got paint on your canopy on that one yes there is but we i stopped after that jump and you know went and washed as much of the paint off of it as I can. There is a little bit of paint on my canopy, but it's honestly at this point probably reinforcing it more than anything. I noticed when you were flying <laughs> that canopy, it's it's orange, and orange doesn't wear well in the sun. Yeah, no, it's a pretty old canopy. So uh, to speak to that part for all of you skydivers out there, um, how much uh, more wear and tear does this paint process cause to your gear? Does it cause more wear and tear? or No, so the the... Again, the particular paints that I use have been chosen very specifically. I pulled up the MSDS sheets for all of them. Um, I use a very specific type of acrylic paint because some acrylic paints are mixed with ether as their like uh, yeah. base. There would be some uh, which, paints that if you got on that canopy would destroy it in one jump. Yeah, there are definitely no, no acrylic would even the ones with ether, but uh, but they wouldn't be good for the environment, so I don't for use sure. them for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the canopy and the rig itself, honestly, I mean, the people who made those things, man, they made them really good. Yeah, and the materials that they're made out of are really good materials. Now, that's not to say that you should go around and be treating them like trash or anything. For sure. Um, and I still... But that does still mean that the equipment you use is going to be used completely through faster than a normal yes, yes. a normal skydiver. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah. I, you know, the type of gear that I'm looking for to do captured sky with is gear that's on the end of its life, you okay. know, gear that's approaching retirement more than it is yeah. like, you know, fresh Tired from the gear. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind the of gear, of gear that jokes. needs to be turned into art. Yep. Exactly. So, and Steve, my container that I was jumping because I just recently was gifted a new container by Con, our rigger here at Skydive Dow. Oh, was awesome, Dallas. by the way. Just amazing, saying. amazing, amazing. He watches my back and is that extra eyes on my gear. Um, Frank and I spend a lot of time maintenancing and cleaning my, my container and all the safety components. Um, but Con gives us that extra set of eyes and reassurances and everything. Um, <clears throat> but before Con gave me Sarah. Sarah is my new container now. I had Steve. Steve was a pretty old vector and he was getting close to the end of his life. He used to be what I shot video with here at the school and I only started Captured Sky once I had gotten a new sport rig that I was using for my full-time jumping every day in and day out, you know, so that I had this other container that if something unforeseeable arose with Captured Sky, then, you know, I still had other gear and also steve was like i said towards the end of his life and everything but that's not to say that he's treated any differently so after landing there's components of my gears that gets uh washed immediately on landing so those are things like my goggles and my cameras and altimeter uh there's other components that get washed after each day of jumping so that's going to be at the end of each day of jumping the three ring systems, the cables, the housings, the cutaway, um, any of the safety components and articulating parts of the rig are going to be cleaned and cleared of any, any paint. As far as like uh, all the Cordura and everything, it's just yeah, aesthetic. It's just, I yeah, just leave it point. how it is. It looks good. Um, it does it look looks good. <laughs> looks pretty hot. It looks pretty cool. Um, and if there's ever any sort of like excessive buildup, and I mean really excessive buildup somewhere like maybe on a chest strap or something, then I'll use a very mild solvent like denatured alcohol, which is something that um, you know there's 
the R and D on that. If you if you can't even find it in the skydiving world, you can definitely definitely find it in our uh, climbing. Yep. Uh, sport of climbing, which is really established sport, and they use a lot of the same uh, materials, and it's the same type of level of uh, you know safety involved, mm-hmm. and uh, and these are the same same types of solvents that they'll use for removing sap and stuff like that yeah, from climbing har- harnesses and stuff. I had a conversation with someone a while back. So as an SNTA, um, somebody was commenting about, well, how can you let this happen? At, at, how can you let this go down? You know, obviously things aren't as safe. Well, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean by that. Well, the gear was a big thing that they brought up. And I say, hey, look, you know, there's a process that's that they go through, just like what you described, right? There's stuff that's cleaned immediately. There's stuff that's cleaned at the end of the day. And there's stuff that doesn't really need to be cleaned. But all of the at the end of the day, all this stuff is being inspected and being looked at and being monitored. And, and it's, uh, you know, you did your due diligence in making sure that the the stuff that you have and the equipment that you're using is being kept as as clean and safe as possible for the conditions that they're being put in, just like everybody else does in the sport of skydiving. Whether you're a swooper or whether you're whatever you do, yeah, you're putting your uh, your equipment in a, in conditions that uh, require you to maintain them maybe differently than most normal skydivers would, and you do it just because that's how it is. But at the end of the day, some of that equipment gets gets expired faster than it would, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Interesting. It's uh man, still so much going on. It, it, I I knew you had a lot of detail to this, but not didn't realize how much. We've now landed and got all this gear cleaned up. So when you go home after a day of capturing sky, how much time are you putting into cleaning up your gear? Even not because you do it before you leave here. Yeah. So um, it takes me almost an hour to turn a load, which is a much slower turn than what yeah. I could do on my own. Um, so, uh, but that's because of the pieces that need to be washed and yeah, packing up and everything. Also the fact, and I'm just pointing this out, uh, my perspective as a manager is I appreciate the fact that you're protecting my packing floor down there by laying stuff out so that when you're packing your gear that has some paint on it, it's not getting it on the, the drop zones packing floor, which is I appreciate that. So thank yeah, you. Definitely. We want to be welcomed back. <laughs> which which so. means your packing process can be a little bit longer than most. Yeah. Yeah. We try and be as, as thoughtful as we can. Um, uh, so yeah, obviously everything that we do is, is thanks to Spaceland Dallas, which allows us the lifts to altitude uh, to get us the shameless, opportunity. Shameless shout out. Um, <laughs> we cannot Space forget Skydive Dallas because it's like the Myers and Skydive Dallas. Dallas. Yes, Dallas. yes I really do. Yes, yes. I, uh, you, we I know love, each other from I the Skydive Sky Dallas. <laughs> I, yeah, and I honestly, I love Spaceland Dallas. Yeah. I do miss Skydive Dallas Yeah, because oh, when definitely. I came to Skydive Dallas, I was a visiting guest. There was no work for here for me here besides my course. Now I show up and I actually work for Spaceland as well. So I'm like, oh my god, I'm involved with it always. <laughs> so there's no, there's, yeah, there's no escaping here. Like you guys were always my escape. Skydive Dallas was my home away from home. It was always good to see Johnny and Laura. Um, Laura always, uh, she always took time to go hang out with me and sit back and kick back. That was we we had a really good family here. Yeah. Spaceland's done a great great job with the place. Um, so we we appreciate them. <laughs> creating a new empire here um but uh yeah i i god bless skydive dallas because if it hadn't been that type of environment i might not have you know kept jumping and had this completely different redirecting you know life change so it's just i just love it and honestly space i do a lot of the transitions for the spaceland uh family so i helped or i helped do the transition for this drop zone for san marcos 
And the thing I've told all the staff when I do their transitions is skydive Spaceland Dallas or wherever wouldn't be what it will be without you guys. And A, they left such a solid foundation here of a drop zone. B, events like the San Marcos Halloween boogie, like the uh, Revolution boogie that you guys just had. Um, there's so many things that continue to happen that were laid foundationally by an old culture. And it's just so cool to see the merging of both worlds. Yeah. You know, for me right now, I'm sitting with a good buddy of mine from Spaceland General. Like he was, he was from Houston. He was a manager there. And it's my Spaceland family. And you are my Skydive Dallas family. When we did our orientation here, I actually did the instructor meeting. Uh, Ken Stone was the manager, stood up and spoke in our first uh, staff meeting here. Rosie was one of the, I think, marketing managers. Some spoke, stood up and spoke. And then I stood up, and it was so, it was touching because the staff all clapped because they all knew me. Like, oh, yeah, DJ. I was like, <laughs> That's cool because they were really pensive otherwise. And I told them, man, I, I had a dream. My two favorite families could come together, Skydive Dallas and Spaceland. Yeah. And it's been so cool to see those of you who've been able to, to, to take a hold of that dream and really, I mean, it's been a beautiful family. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. great. And, and it's been it. a very good uh, opportunity, I think, to continue. Uh, uh, so this right here is about continuing the tradition that started with Scott of Dallas, for sure. And I, as the manager here, am super excited to allow this tradition to continue in, in in a way that <laughs> in a way that is uh, it's just been amazing. I enjoy having you guys out here, and I enjoy having you come produce this art, and I enjoy having you at the boogie with your with your uh, uh, setup so that people can <laughs> come you. see what you guys do for sure. Other DZMs, just so you know, make a nice nice DZ setup, <laughs> man. Um, you, you've put a lot of work then. So said and done. There's probably a solid several hours that goes into each one of these pieces of art. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of things in skydiving, we spend a very little amount of time in the actual doing, but a lot of time in the prepping. And I think, um, you know, I've I've never really gotten to compete in the sport like I would have liked, but I have because I've worked in the sport. I've had the privilege of of sharing plane rides with some you know really profound athletes. I'm working at uh, iFly. I had the pleasure of standing in the door or in the driving booth while some really profound athletes flew. And, uh, you know, with, with all of those, those flyers, you look at them and you don't see too much going on in the, in the wind. I mean, when you watch them, they, they make it look so easy, look so clean. Um, so simple. And, uh, it's, it's, hard to realize and appreciate that actually there's a lot a lot of time and visualization and stretching and practicing that goes in in the before yep. and after to make that those few moments when they're on display look so beautiful and immaculate you know and that's the same is very much true for captured sky it's it's gone so far and i i part of the reason i wanted to learn the process is is i'm so interested in the process the other reason I wanted to, to know is because that really brings a large value to these because, number one, they're beautiful art. Thank you. <laughs> and I looked at the prices online, and I actually thought, man, those are nice high prices that they deserve. Oh, I'm like, the, the, there truly are. I'm not buying a piece of trash. I'm not buying something my kid can do with finger paints. Go <laughs> fuck yourself, dude. Um, I'm buying like what I really see as beautiful art, but then now I sit here and I understand the time you've invested in this the hour drive here, the hour drive back, the four to six hours you put on before you got here, the hour between every load to prep each one of these. You go home and you still got to deal with them all. There's so much to it that there, there's a large time value as well. If people wanted to buy these, where would they get Captured Sky from? 
so right now my website is under construction. So I eventually I will have originals that are available for sale. Right now it's through inquiry, just you know, reaching out to me. Hey, bubs, I like that piece and I'll give you information on it. I'll let you know uh, when the piece was jumped, its mm-hmm. conception information and its price point. Uh, I can ship within the U.S. for usually about 7 to $10 FedEx with tracking <laughs> labels and everything. So that's pretty good. That's because my husband ships them out of his work. So thank you again, Frank Cole. <laughs> um, but uh, Hopefully that doesn't get you fired. <laughs> no, Capital One's super cool about it. Capital One is like, we're we're really thankful for Capital One. Captured Sky, brought to you by Capital One. By Capital One. Capital <laughs> Sky. Wait, what? Um, so, example, first of all, how big is, is Sky High 2 here? Uh, that's an 8 by 10. 8 by 10. And how much is this one? So that guy, because it's the collaborative catch, the one that I had to do additional work, that canvas was guessed before jump, before flight. Hmm. It had the skydiver stenciled down and then painted out in masking fluid and then had the masking fluid removed and the edges uh, smoothed with a rubber eraser. So that guy, a little bit additional work. He is um, uh, 185. Normally, pieces of that size, uh, 8x10, is somewhere between 150 to 175 And that price point is based off of uh, the cost on gear and the composition. Oh, yeah. The um, fuel to drive to and from the drop zone <laughs> and the jump ticket cost <laughs> and the pack job cost and the, the millions of other things that people don't yeah. take into consideration when they have to realize what went through to make that one painting. My yeah. wife doesn't listen to this show at all, and I'm thankful for it because <laughs> some of the times I make an ass of myself. And sometimes I do this. Is this piece for sale? Yes. This is her birthday gift. So oh, we'll talk. Wonderful. You take Venmo? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that later. I, I don't wonderful. know if you've noticed. I've uh, had these two lined up for a while. Oh. I've been eyeballing, like, I can see it in her office. I think she's going to love it in her office. Oh, I've been wonderful. trying to find her birthday gift. And this is, like, to me, this is a phenomenal birthday gift. So um, oh, I, I don't know you. if you notice. I keep eyeballing. I'm like, <laughs> which one's she going to like better? You know what? I want to. I want to tell you, I think this is a really awesome piece. I because love it. When it when it first came when I first came down with it, I was you know I'm, I'm scrutinizing the pieces and I'm trying to get a feel for it, and I was like, I don't know if I'm connecting with it. But then I started to look at its composition more, and I really really like this piece for a couple reasons. Obviously, the skydiver, but yeah, um, more is if you look at the piece, you see you know up here at the top, and this just was purely coincidental but up at the top the gray kind of took uh the you know lion's share of the canvas mm-hmm. so and then down at the bottom is the blue so the jumper is like leaving the gray of the aircraft and jumping into the deep blue big the blue yeah, but there's yeah. also this kind of like noisy busy chaotic which kind of like represents what it can feel like as we cast ourselves out into this wild, windy environment. So this actually is one of my most favorite pieces <laughs> now. So well, I'm glad you're willing I'm, to let go I'm, of it. I'm very, I'm very yeah. honored to, to think that that's going to go and, and be your wife's birthday. Yeah, I don't also. know if you've ever met Valerie. I don't think I She's have. a jumper. She's got about 2,500 jumps herself. Wow. She's okay, I guess. Yeah, she works <laughs> in a uh, office. She works for city government, and uh, you know all her coworkers know she jumps. And I could. This would just look so good at her desk. That would be wonderful. Yeah, she. I, I know she will enjoy it. And I've been thinking really hard about her birthday present, and I wanted yeah. something unique, something thoughtful. And I just. This is beautiful. This. Will, this will be great. So thank wonderful. you. Wonderful. Well, um, thank you. Thank oh. you so much. Yay. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, 
it's uh i i didn't know you were gonna bring art with you <laughs> and then when you brought it i'm like that's cool that's cool and i saw i like that one but i saw these two and i was like man i got a problem over here these oh, look really cool. good oh how exciting yeah. um you've put a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of effort and at some point you, you you're selling uh paintings but you've also started getting bigger recognition for example example this little red and yellow piece right mm -hmm. here tell me about this sucker so that's a piece that I did for Ripley's Believe It or Not. Woo! Um, so, Which, uh, as a product of the 80s, I got to say, Ripley, Ripley's Believe It or Not was the show that I yeah. remember looking forward to throughout the week. Because they used to have a they used to have a week. Do they still do a weekly show? I don't think they... I'm, is it more know. online now? I'm kind of confused because I had somebody tell me that there is something that's like on the, I don't know, one of the... One of the things yeah. you have to pay for, yeah. or something. No, um, this was network, and this was no, probably yeah, this was probably late eighties. Oh man, yeah, it yeah. was one of my favorite shows growing up. It was that's like, incredible. There was there was that's incredible. <laughs> there was Ripley's Believe It or yes. Not, and there was like, and then it would roll into like Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> yes! and it was like it was my jam. And I want to say it was rolling into the weekends. It may have even Ooh. been Friday. So when I heard that you did Ripley's Believe It or Not, I was so jealous because I was oh, just Ripley's Believe It or Not has always to me been like one of the Pinnacles. It's the epitome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Guinness Book of World Records. It's Ripley's Believe It or Not. But you're in like a bunch of Guinness Book of World Records stuff. So, and that's something oh, that. No, not really. Uh, yeah. I'm like looking at a bunch of them here on the wall. You know how many <laughs> friends I have who have set world records? And I'm not belittling or denying what they've done. It's amazing, my friends who've been on these records. How many friends do I have who've been in Ripley's Believe It or Not? Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly correct. Right? Hey, I mean, and there's a potty man on my whoa, page. Whoa, 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 there's a, Oh, yeah. Pull out the book. Let's see this. There's a potty man on my page, which a makes it way man. cooler. Yeah, what dude. The? Wait, no. Check out my so potty So she's, she's got her own two page, three pages, right? Four. Four pages. pages. <laughs> Girl. Oh, let me, let me my, check out the book. Look at my potty man infographic. What, is it, what does it say, though? In December 2014, a group of rocket enthusiasts successfully launched a portable toilet into the sky over southwest Michigan, and it landed in one piece. That's on my page. Yay. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is actually really cool. This is thank quite you. a layout. They did a really good job on those four pages. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, thank you. The potty man was a so, so you girl. not only So you not only did... <laughs> So, so you not only got these <laughs> Gene <laughs> Simmons kiss style, bro. Uh, I knew they were gonna take the picture. God damn, Frank Cole. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! No, so, uh, so Fine you <laughs> to to get these shots, you went out to where'd you go, Florida? Uh, actually, well, we we went to Deland, yeah. Um, but they didn't. The pictures that are in that book are actually pretty old. I was really surprised um, that they used some of this stuff because uh, those first two pages or pictures are from like twenty. 14 or something and that's kind of how they found me is um like i mentioned earlier that i had gotten connected to some organizations like viral hog who distribute some of my content mm -hmm. and that is how ripley's found me i guess uh is that they saw content that viral hog was trying to sell and then they came to me to try and cut the middleman out yeah. and not <laughs> uh deal with them and just get the stuff from me and of course i was a big fan so i was like okay what do you want yeah. <laughs> and i, and I you can have them. whatever you want yeah i emailed them some pictures and stuff and uh and made sure that they told me that they was gonna send me a book for free when yeah. it was printed awesome and i thought that was gonna be the end of it but then they messaged 
message me a couple of weeks later and they're like, hey, we want to expand our coverage on you. And that's when they flew Frank and me out to, to uh, Orlando. Land. Yeah. And we went to Skydive to land and uh, caught some sky with them and then did an interview because they would have come out here, but they, we were worried about weather and stuff like that. Yeah. And if weather was bad, we were going to record in their Orlando studio or something mm. like that. So we got to go into their house of weird, their oh, man. How auditorium. Awesome was that? Dude, it was super weird. Yeah. It was like there were shrunken heads. That's what I was going to ask, like shrunken heads. Yeah, and, there, oh, was, man. there was a cockroach that was painted to look like Michael Jackson's Thriller. And I'm telling you, that cockroach looked legit like Michael oh, Jackson man. from Thriller. Um, and there was uh, uh, stuff from uh, Edward Scissorhands movie. So those were the... Those are the things that really caught my attention. I'm so jealous. Shrunken head, painted cockroach, and Edward Scissorhands. I'm so, so jealous. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so you ended up making this piece while you were there? Yes. This piece is, is a piece of captured Florida sky, and that's the Ripley's logo there on the back. Um, so... Uh, and the we, colors, the colors you used on this particular one seem very Ripley's colors. Yeah, yeah. Kind so. of fiery, kind of explosive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think what is that? You one can't, named? you can't say this. Ben, what is the name of this painting? What is the name of this painting? It is. If you're not watching this, it is red and gold. I don't know. It is got the Ripley's Believe It or Not logo on it. The title or the name of this piece is Believe It. Believe it. Believe yes. it. Oh, man. I love the name. Captured sky. Believe 45 it. seconds yeah. of sky time. Mm-hmm. The skies were clear blue that day. Yeah, it was a beautiful day, actually. It was super gorgeous. And it was like a deluge over here at Spaceland Dallas that day, so it was probably a oh, good man, thing that we, yeah. that we went to, to, to land. So how interesting, or how, how uh, so when you showed up to DeLand, did you did you have to convince them? Like, do you have to go talk to the SNTA and the manager? Be like, hey, this is what I'm planning to do. Or did you just show up and like, hey, just start strapping the stuff on until someone talked to you? Well, I was pretty fortunate. I had an in. Um, so the DZ, one of the because they're kind of like got a joint management team over there. But one of the DZMs is Kristen Johnson, and she oh, okay. used to be my manager at iFly. She was one okay. of the uh, people who helped hire me at iFly. So I just kind of shoot her a message and was like, hey, nice. And she welcomed us with open arms, so that was really nice. So, also awesome. thank you to shout to out Sky to Deland, Deland yeah. yes, yeah, for welcoming cool. us and, and Kristen. You've not only got recognition there, but and I, I try to keep up. I actually do follow you on Facebook and Instagram. I actually do when I see posts by you, pay attention. Thank Some things interest me. On, He'd follow on you media. on uh, uh, what's the one? Grinder. No, <laughs> <laughs> is that not? Gotta one? post more nudes. <laughs> no, not not Facebook. What was before that? It was uh, it was uh, MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> if you had a page on MySpace, he'd probably follow you on that too because um, he's still on that. But I think I saw recently you've been in a gallery. You had. Oh yes, yes, yes. We've been in. We've been in. Multiple, multiple galleries. Um, this year was another big push. <clears throat> the focus for this year was uh, the sky fluffs. So that was an idea that we've been wanting to put into to uh, practice. Which is super rad for those of you that can't see them in person. <laughs> yeah, the they are pretty amazing. I like those. Um, and then also a big push to bring Captured Sky out of the landing areas and into the galleries. So uh-huh. um, I had a, I was submitting Captured Sky works for uh, numerous juried competitions, juried art competitions, which for the art world, uh, juried competition is kind of as the name implies. It's a competition that is resided over by, you know, 
so uh, deemed industry art professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're very competitive, and these uh, the works that are selected for the competitions will then get sent to brick and mortar galleries, and they're hung and set on display for anywhere for at least a month to two months at a time. Sometimes, and, and part of that judging for those types of scenarios is not just the artwork itself, but the process that goes into the artwork. You know, there is a lot Do they look less of that. So that that has been kind of challenging because a large part of the concept obviously is is the environment in which they are created. The yeah. the means by which the paint is blended and whatnot is part of what gives the pieces value. And <clears throat> for uh in prior to 2000 and what we're in 19 now, it's 2018 so <laughs> Prior to 2018, I wasn't jumping with video because, again, there's no standards on Captured Sky, but I'm trying to be as super, super safe as possible. I waited till I had 200 Captured Sky jumps before I took any sort of video with me, um, which meant that many of the jumps before that didn't always have video because it wasn't always possible for me to have Frank. He's my freefall videographer to have him accompany me with jumps. But this past year when I started Having video, it allowed me the opportunity to uh, submit artworks for during along with a video component, which would <laughs> illustrate how the pieces were. That's half composed, the art right there, to you them. know. Yeah, so which is super important because I I think that the other art that is being that is being compared to this is almost like comparing apples to oranges, like we talked about before. Art that you see like this that is not done in the way that you do it is very much uh, a, a a final condition of what the artist is going through at the time but this like you said this is a collaboration between you and the sky and the sky is really doing the majority i don't want to say doing the majority of the work i'm saying that a lot of it (laughs) it does a lot of it but uh but this is it's a lot of this is out of your hands you're just like you said a facilitator and i think that that has to play into uh when someone is looking at it from a judgmental standpoint compared to other forms of art I feel like that needs to be a component that is taken into consideration when they're making those types of decision. If not, it doesn't seem quite right in my brain. Yeah, and that's that's just, you know, playing to the appropriate audience, yeah. finding the the appropriate juried competitions where they will allow those some sort of, of yeah, yeah, either uh uh photography to be accompanying with the piece, which yeah. I can create some sort of a panel that uh, illustrates again the environment in which the pieces were made um, and then some juried competitions will allow you to submit poly or diptychs which is just a fancy artist term for like a multi-panel artwork so pieces that like for instance I have it possible where this would be uh, a diptych so this piece would hang a what? a diptych okay <laughs> Not, not, what <laughs> not a dipstick, thinking. bro. You <laughs> said the first time you said it, I was like, I'm pretty sure she didn't say that, uh, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Okay, it's D I P. Yeah, and diptych. then like a T Y C H. I think. So what's that? Mean? What's a diptych? It a diptych means a two panel artwork. Okay. Um, so and a polytick means a multi panel. So this so you're talking art plus a picture versus art plus a picture and an explanation. Yeah, it could be it could be anything. So a lot of times, uh, poly tips will be they'll sometimes be framed together and be like you know on a hinge frame or something. Oh, I see what you're but saying. basically, it's meant that the the piece in order for you to appreciate it, you are supposed to view both components at the same ah, time. Okay, so. Um, I have now in this season started creating captured sky 
diptychs or polytics, which are multi-panel works, which will include the acrylic piece, which was painted by the sky, but it'll also be accompanied by a digital frame, which is set up to play either on a timer or on a motion sensor so that when guests come up to step up and view your captured sky... They the, can see how it was created. Yeah, the frame automatically clicks on oh, and man, plays a red. loop of of the piece's composition so that you don't have to explain to somebody that this is Captured Sky. Yeah. The artwork explains itself. So um, a lot of the jury competitions that we've been submitting for this year have been ones that will allow the allow inclusion it. of some sort of video element. And since we've been able to do that now this season... Um, I've gotten much better success. So this past year, Captured Sky has been in six different juried competitions, several of them uh, national juried competitions and several of them international pieces. Uh, We've had uh, works on display in Overland Park, Kansas, in uh, Westmoreland, Pennsylvania, in Norfolk, Virginia. I was born there. Ohio. Really? Really? I was actually born in Portsmouth. My dad was stationed in North military, what? military family. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Marine and Navy base. I'll do it. Oh, Some very bit. cool. Some bit. Right. <laughs> uh, where else? You were at Norfolk. Norfolk. Uh, yeah, I think. I don't know. I lost. I lost my whatever. But you know, just, all around the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the nation, this past year, we've been in several different brick and mortar galleries, a couple of different online galleries with international exhibitions. Oh. Um, so that's been really great because we've been kind of been getting the endorsement of of the art community yeah, as yeah. well. So it's something that even those who are not skydivers can appreciate and uh, and connect with and identify with. So for quite a while, your your fan base and the people who appreciated your art were skydivers because yeah. you didn't have a lot of public exposure. Yeah. Today, a lot more. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I, I got to go back before I get to the ne- this next part. You have over 200 Sky art jumps. Yes. Because you're like, I waited to put a camera on until I had 200 skyers. I'm like, you got 200 skyers. <laughs> That's a lot of experience. That's yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. How many jumps do you have capturing sky? Oh, you or know. Or trying. <laughs> I, I need to get, go to my logbook to pull up the exact number, but I am, I'm pretty sure that I am approaching 300 now because it was only last season. Yeah, well, beginning of 2018. So I had the jumps from last season. So now I guess it's probably fewer than that. It's probably closer to like 250-ish. That's still a lot. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. And how many, do you know how many canvases you've captured in that time? Oh, Lordy. (laughs) No. Are we talking like three or four a piece? Uh, It varies. I have a spreadsheet running of ones that have, because that's the thing, I do have some that have been cut away. I've had some that have blown up, have broken um, on Uh, deployment. Uh, But I'm pretty sure that my spreadsheet now, which has like pieces that have gotten far enough to get named and everything. So if they've got a name and they've been engraved, and I think that the running number on that is around 400. Okay. Jeez, that's a lot. Well, there's some that are really small. Yeah, yeah, but that's awesome. Well, thank you. (laughs) And of those 400, how many have you sold? A lot less. A lot. (laughs) No, no, that's good news. Why? Because all our friends listening know there's plenty to choose from. Yeah, there's a lot of scavengers. (laughs) I mean, and it is. There's a lot of really cool pieces. 
And I think it's only a matter of time before they all start moving because as you've gotten this exposure through social media and people are starting to see it. Yeah. And yeah. Don't you want some captured sky? See it in person because I, I was interested in getting a piece from you at some point. I really was. And when I saw this in person and got to see the details, gotten to see how heavy some of it is, understanding how it got applied, seeing the wind. The I amount mean, of work that went into it. Like that to me, like I just... I, I'm not going to lie. There was a period of time where I was just thinking, oh, you're kind of slapping paint on a paint. I don't know. I don't get it. But listening to the amount of work and preparation that goes into it, it's, it's I'm amazing. I'm touching the wind right now, dude. Touching. Like, for real, the, these ripples are the wind. Yeah. There is a piece of sky. I, I, I understand the concept, but until you have this in your hand, until you see exactly what you've described, it's, it's unreal. I'm sure you've seen more than once. I get stuck looking at this and just mesmerizing. It really it's art. I'm so glad you like it. Thank you I so love much. it. No, I absolutely love it. <laughs> so in you. the galleries, are you starting to see more mainstream uh, uh, acceptance? In other words, not skydivers? Yeah, it's it's actually been um, a lot better received than I was I maybe first expecting when I kind of put myself out on the line out there. I was worried that, yeah, there would be a lot of, you know, well, what are you doing? But I think any time that somebody takes the opportunity to understand the why why I do this, um, then they can appreciate like, Hey, yeah, you know, I, I, I get that. I can feel that. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that there's a lot of people out there who maybe think that, Oh, it's really cool that you create art while skydiving. And then there's maybe some people who, a lot of people <laughs> like that live Bible guy, uh, who think, Oh, it's really lame and really gimmicky that you create art while skydiving. Well, really the art is kind of, inconsequential it wasn't like i set out to create art what i set out was to take something from the sky to create a tangible from the intangible um so our sky really is the dissipation of our of our atmosphere it is the absence of something and yet we look at this environment and we're you know captivated by it and we fantasize about it and we daydream about it and we want to be up there and yet we can't have something from it you know like like trying to catch it's not smoke, a seashell off of know? a beach like you said yeah and so uh but i think that when people take the time to understand my motivation which was you know i just desperately wanted to have something from her, you know, from this place that holds so much of my sentiment and my my love and my inspiration, um, that they can they can appreciate that and identify with it and and therefore like captured skies. So I'm hoping that listeners out there tonight will will think and feel the same way. I, I hope so too, and I really think you guys should. It, it's it's really unique. It's an interesting piece. We all need to decorate our walls at some point, and you can go buy a piece of junk, crappy picture from a store, <laughs> or you can get something that a it's it's as unique as it gets. B it expresses part of what you love as a skydiver if you're buying this. And you're supporting a skydiver. Oh, yeah. Support your family, man. (laughs) Support a fellow skydiver. I do my best to keep my business local in local community. 
Um, and from there, I also try my best to keep it within skydiving community. So I, I, I try to eat at local restaurants. I try to shop at local stores. Or I try to buy from a, a skydiving buddy of mine. Oh, amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> my graphic designer is a skydiving company. There he, you the, go. He's a skydiver. He jumps. His name's Adam Buckner. He's based out of New Mexico. He does a great job. Hey, Adam, we love you. <laughs> he also gets me because he's a skydiver and knows how to produce. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do hope these people look at it and they enjoy it. You, I, I want to twist a little bit back because we are running out of time towards some of the safety aspect because you have been so well thought out about it. One of the things I've noticed is you wear an analog altimeter. And I'm a huge advocate of what is best for each person is what is best for that person. Do you have a decision over analog versus digital? Is it because it's what you had? Well, yeah, I've I've almost always worked with um, uh, an analog, and I like it. I really like the visual element of seeing that that spatial needle, awareness. Yeah, moving down. Um, so, and then likewise, it's it's easier for me to clean. I don't have to worry as much about getting the face of it wet when I'm trying to remove paint from it. Um, but I also jump with ditters in my uh, helmet as well. So I have two ditters and the visual altimeter and then my time in the sport as well as giving me a pretty decent internal clock is, you know, I pull pretty high. Uh, sometimes I, my altimeter can get covered and I have, you know, similar pool priorities, just like a student. If I don't know where I'm at in a skydive, then guess what? The skydive's over. You know, it's time to pitch. Um, I had, with my cutaway that I had recently, my altimeter was obscured. Uh, I ended up cutting away because I didn't know how much altitude I was losing with each revolution. And after I cut away, it only took a real quick swipe to see that I was above 3000 feet. <laughs> when in doubt, whip it out, whip <laughs> so, it up. That's how Franklin, you know, <laughs> yeah. So you're using audibles. What audibles are you using? LMB. <laughs> LMB. <laughs> That's um, right. uh, do you remember which, which particular? I don't, but I did win one of their newest ones like at the PIA. Quattro. So I, I use probably is that's the newest thing. Probably the Quattro. Protract two or Quat. So They're Pro-tra- awesome. So does it have four beeps in free fall? Yes. So it's either a Quattro or a Protract two. Does it? Is it also a free fall computer? Yellow or green buttons? Yellow. Protract Protracted. two. Yeah. Um, which it, it's a free fall computer. And the thing I like about it, and, and I hope you love about it, is it has four beeps in free fall, which for yes. you I'm sure is a huge help kind of stages you to where you're at. Like, oh, that beep, okay. I just need to know I, I got some time left. Mm. I do want to go back. I, I just was curious that you are using visual altimeters. You are using audibles. And I've seen that. I know that. As a matter of fact, we talked at PIA. I was there when you won that prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, woo! <laughs> but uh, I, I want to get back to uh, the barrel rolls, the applying. So there's times where you're on your back the entire jump. There's times you do a barrel roll, and there's times you stall and then roll it. Like, I've seen, your, I've seen a video where you barrel roll, you're on your belly for... A little bit longer than just a barrel roll and you complete it back. Yeah. Even a pull time, you're on your belly for an amount of time to pull. Yeah. How do you decide? Is that something you decide before you get in the sky? Is that, yeah. Man, yeah. So usually, usually, not always. So, I mean, just like any skydive, you know, we have a plan and then some things, sometimes things don't always go to plan. So I may have uh, like four seconds that I'm supposed to be working with a certain color and I intend on releasing it in certain places during that time. But sometimes I have it where I can't get a paint to fire, whether it's because it got jammed or its lid doesn't want to stay open or whatever. And then the plan has to adapt and change. 
so that the skydive isn't wasted, you know? Yeah. So there's always a plan when I go up on what I'm going to release, how much time I'm going to work with each color and where I'm going to release it. Does that, is that <laughs> always what happens? No, definitely not. Um, but that's but, why you have a backup plan. Exactly. Just, just like a normal dirt dive. Yes. Yes. And there was a lot of time also spent, you know, if, talking about the safety, trying to, uh, identify what potential issues could arise with the gear. Um, so I also jump with a hook knife to make sure that I can cut away if there's any sort of entanglement issue. Uh, the rigging is designed to be sturdy, but also break away if it had enough tension put on it. Um, I've, had, I've practiced like safety procedures for if I was put on a flat spin or something like that, which I have had happen uh, with the canvases. It's a big... You know, it's a big wing. It's a, sale it's a big wing, exactly. Sale, you know, yeah. uh, so I spent a lot of time trying to think of all the potentials and visualizing and practicing in my mind for those, and then just being vigilant for any of the unforeseeables. Do you jump an RSL on these jumps? I am now, but I wasn't before. So I, it's, it's I, I rarely will hear an excuse that wearing an RSL is not a good idea. Like you should wear an RSL, and and I would actually encourage you to sit down and talk with somebody about an RSL maybe not being a good idea on your jumps. Yeah. Because imagine a piece of canvas or something gets entangled in a main, and you yeah, cut away, yeah. and you've got to get rid of the main and the and the canvas. That's a good point. So especially you, at the altitude, it sounds like you're deploying at or you're playing at deploying at. You seem to have a little bit more time. Yeah. I do, and that's that's been. And honestly, I have never had an entanglement issue. Mm. I have, I had once a flat spin, um, but I was able to cut away the canvas uh, very easily. Um, but uh, you know, it, overall, it has been a really smooth road. But I also, I would credit that to having the upbringing that I have in the sport, having a lot of respect for being just. Very, very hyper vigilant with my gear. You could stop at being hyper. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, I and, love being hyper. <laughs> and to all the young jumpers out there that are looking at this, going, "I want to do that someday." Yes. It, the amount of hour, the number of, uh, the number of jumps, the number of hours, the number of, the amount of time it goes into, to planning this is tremendous. Yes, yes. And I've had a lot of people reaching out to me on Instagram, like, you know, younger jumpers, kind of asking about it and everything, and. You know, I, I have obviously we want to we want to progress and share new ideas and things like that within the sport. But I did always have a concern about doing that because, you know, at a cursory glance, you have no idea how many jumps somebody had. I had over 2000 skydives before I took that first little three inch by three inch canvas on my arm and I was working full time in the sport. So I was jumping from sun up to sundown five days a week, you know, for years by that point um so it's definitely not something that uh you know you just you should just go i just got my license i'm ready to be a painter yeah, no definitely definitely not i mean if i if i were to give some sort of advision on recommendations safety wise moving forward then i would definitely categorize this as like a de-license activity and i would think that there should definitely be a cur currency component with it as well. You know, you need to be, uh, you know, not only have a lot of time in the sport or breadth of knowledge with your gear and your canopy and your free fall and all of that, because I'm using all of those elements uh, when I'm doing this. And it's super easy to 
to want to get distracted and get sucked into it. I mean, you know how compelling it is to be right there at break off, but it's like we're so close to that next point and you really want to do it. It's a little bit easier to turn that away because it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what Ben's feeling. And well, okay, we're just going to break it. But when you're sitting there and it's like, it's just me, it's just me in this canvas. I'm sure I can grab that red. I'm sure I can just get that last little bit, like the desire to, you know, to just push it a little bit further or whatever is really, really strong, especially when you're looking at a canvas that ain't shit. (laughs) And you're thinking this is going to be a waste, but it's like, you know, safety, safety comes first, always, always, always. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't take anything what I do with captured sky lightly. And I, and that's, that's for our, the sake of our sport. You know, I don't, I don't want to become some sort of statistic or, you know, whatever. You don't put bad publicity on our sport. Exactly. So we're really almost at the end. So I got, I got two questions and they're very easy. The first one is what is the hardest part of what you've done? Uh, I think getting the word out there. Yeah, it's really that's that's probably been the hardest part is being able to successfully share the concept. Well, we're definitely going to share it through this podcast. We'll share it <laughs> on our Facebook pages. I, I will help push, push Thank it out you. there. Oh, for sure. Thank You're you. very welcome. <laughs> uh, and the last one is what have you gained the most personally out of doing this? You know what? Um, fulfillment, really, I in so many ways, because. I really have felt like a moonlighter in the sport of skydiving. You know, I've never, I've never gotten the luxury of being able to train or compete in the way that I would have liked to. Um, but here I am sitting on gravity lab, you know, like as if I'm a real something in the sport. You are something girl. It's very humbling and honoring and, you know, so I'm really grateful that Captured Sky gives me this opportunity to not only stay in the wind because, you know, I'm, I am a mom now and I can't really commit to the, the time lines that instructors need to have to be able to work in the sport. And without working in the sport, I wouldn't have my airtime. But Captured Sky gives me that opportunity. It gives me an opportunity to express, you know, my creativity and, um, uh, share that with others too. So that's that's really been very fulfilling. I've never seen you so focused. I, I've known you for quite a few years and bubbles, it's got an S on it because there's so many bubbles going <laughs> off at once and this girl cannot focus and you cannot stay on track. But as you talk about this, I've never seen so much focus, dedication <laughs> and commitment in you. Well, thank you. And it is super cool that you've been able to really find what you've wanted to do in life. Thank and you. I commend you for A, doing it and B, for doing a killer job. So, so one last question for me, without divulging too much to everybody, if it's a secret, What's next? What do you think is next for Capture Sky? Oh man, I because I'm a seeing because I'm ideas. seeing this stuff right here, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty rad. I really like that, and I've seen some of the stuff you're doing here. What do you think's next? I mean, yeah, yeah. What you think this have? is cool? What do you think about a multi-panel piece that would have a collaborative image, but that would span over multiple panels? So it's like this so whole jumps. wall would be filled with a Captured Sky polytic, but. It would take place over numerous jumps. Yeah, it would be mm. these pieces. Like, have you seen um, uh, artists who will take things like like Tetris cubes or whatever, and it's like you you look in really close, and it's just a bunch of these little tiny squares. But then you pan out, and you can see this, you know, image or something because or you look at it from the right angle. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. One of the you know that's on the right because I am very limited by. Sp- 
space, sure. you know, size, you know, I'm 20 by 20 so far, so far, you know, we're going to keep pushing, but, um, but safely. Um, so right now we're, we're limited by what size piece we can take up, but in the art world, you know, bigger is better and big imagery makes a big impact. And I would love, love, love to be able to make captured sky as large as what the concept really is, yeah. you know? Um, so I've got some multi-panel works that, that are ideas in the running. And, um, actually I got, I got a couple other ones that I think I'm going to keep in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. No, keep it, keep it. In yeah. There's, there, there gotta have a few tricks up your sleeve. Exactly. Exactly. So there's, there's more to come from captured sky. So you just stay tuned. Well, uh, before we close this out, first of all, I've got to thank Skydive Spaceland Dallas. Uh, Spaceland has been a, a good home for me in general. Uh, Spaceland Dallas and the manager, Ben, has allowed us to keep the place open late. We're using the office up here, so kind of giving us a little extra access. So thank you for the space to Spaceland um, Dallas. This has been probably, don't tell Nick Lott, this has probably been one of the funnest Gravity Labs. Oh, 100%. Absolutely a great time. Uh, can't thank you guys enough. Michelle, anything else you want to share with your friends and family listening? I want to thank my family, uh, Frank Cole and my dad and Frank's family, because without them, and also my RiggerCon, without them, I really I wouldn't be able to do this. And they've been just so supportive and so helpful. They helped me with a lot of that back end stuff mm-hmm. that I was telling you about and watching my babies so that I could come out to the DZ. So Watch, watching Frank Cole walk around with two babies <laughs> in his arms, <laughs> yeah, and he's then a good and then man. and then. Putting and then the, putting dropping them down those babies to pack the parachute yeah. and like he's constantly looking back like what are you doing back there? Yeah. Can't get a better man than that, you know. So Val I, did. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, he he is a phenomenal human being. He is a great guy, Michelle. Thank you for being on here. Absolutely one of the favorite guests um, oh, I, we've you. had. The <laughs> stories were fun. The the insight is wonderful. We got to do this again. Oh, please, please. <laughs> Yo, guys and gals, thank you for tuning in. Sorry for any little technical difficulties we deal with as we're on the road. As you hear this production, it won't be quite the way it is, but uh, we really appreciate it. Next week, we'll be back. Alethea, I cannot remember her last name, is actually dating a guy named Tex, whoever that jerk face ah! is. <laughs> She'll be joining us next week on the show. We'll be talking about the free fly scene and an angle scene in Europe. She does a lot of stuff over there. Really cool chick, really nice gal. Yeah. And sitting in on the couch with Nick and I will be Tex, so we'll kind of have that third co-host it and then joining Yeehaw. us so uh, tune in till then grab that blur, uh, radio blue skies i'm out of here man later